Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. One time here, a.k.a. Pyramid Kid, a.k.a. Tuesday, a.k.a. Lazarus, a.k.a. Asar. <laughs> Man, y'all thought that one gonna see me again, huh? Well, new slash homie, I'm back. Come on! Soon as the plane land, ain't got no time to play. I touch ground, bend down, kiss the runway. Soon as I stand back up, I'm like a worker bee. With new turf, new streets, new people to meet. Deep in the heart of a crowd. What will I discover? The internet, one thing, real life is another. The return of the brother, tell mama her son home. And prepare to rock steady like a dial tone. It's more than a milestone. It's a success story of how your boy came back to restore the glory of all those before me. My ancestors. Giving thanks for the way that they continue to bless us. They so precious. I'm so hyped. Janae and Skyline, nighttime. I'm so tight. Africa, y'all, for once, I feel so right. I'm setting up shop. No need for return flight. Welcome to Cairo. Okay. Lagos. Okay. Johnson. Okay. Johannesburg. Motherland. Shit wise. Two and You need knowledge. 
my head in the clouds. And if this letter happens to reach you, you gon' turn me down. But I can't blame my people for thinking the way that our nemesis tall. It's throwing us off of the path to rebuild the connection we lost through the slavery slot today. I know when you're off away, more. Something to go to the crib and stay for. I'm done with these hoes. Don't need to be shamed by what they did to you. It's all in the struggle. Ain't a thing that they could do to keep us from being a couple. Stole your gold and mine of your diamonds using guns and muscle. Never I come to them how much I love you. And I could never watch you suffer like that. Age killing you by the millions. Yet through the trials, you smile and continue to stand resilient. For all the world to see, you are the girl for me. When I get back, we gon' relax and drink some herbal tea comfortably. Once we clean up the mess, cause living without you got my life in the stress and unrest. My, I need you. come to you right now and say, let's separate. You say the same thing that the house Negro said on the plantation. What you mean, separate? From America? This good white man? Where you gonna get a better job than you get here? I mean, this is what you say. I, I ain't left nothing in Africa. That's what you say. Why you left your mind in Africa. I hit hard. I hit hard. <laughs> All right, Uncle Dissonab, Hetepu, peace, life, prosperity, and wellness, family. This is your brother, Uncle Minusi Abinu, also known as Uncle Benu, coming to you live with our show, Cool Kim Radio. Cool Kim, that's Black Light Radio in the language of Medunitaire, right? Before we go any further, want to make sure that everything's good. See, some of the families having some... Um, Looks like we may be having some technical difficulties. Want to see which end is on. Going to chime in real quick. Let's see. Hetepu, Arizona, you on the air. Hetepu. All right. Simpson, why? What's going on? Oh, uh, not too much. I'm I'm awake and, and uh, ready ready to hear what you got today. All right. That's a good word. Could, you know, real quick, though, could you hear the music when it was playing? I sure did. Okay. All right, so it looks like it's on the uh, the brother Sam Neal's um, end. I'm going to shoot him a message. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, that's up. Okay. Sort this out real quick. All 
All right. Okay. Right? We said, um, welcome to the show. This is Cool Kim, right? Cool Kim meaning black light in the language of Medunitaire. Now, you know, those of you, this is your first time tuning in. You may be a little, you know, unfamiliar with what this particular show is about, right? And first I want to say welcome to the show, but... If this is your first time tuning in and you're unfamiliar with what this show is about, you you know may have heard the you know the songs and you know the lyrical content of the songs that we open up with, and you probably wondered to yourself, man, you know this is you know this is some deep stuff. What what have I you know stepped into? Okay, you probably heard the words that I opened up with. You know, Unk Uja Sinet Hetepu, right? Peace, life, prosperity, and wellness. And you probably you know, thought to yourself, man, what in the world is he saying? What language is that? Unk Uja what? Maduna what? <laughs> right, just to make sure that we're all on the same page and everyone's caught up to speed, okay? Kukim means black light in the language of Maduna Ter, and Maduna Ter, or Ra in Kemet, right? Maduna Ter, or Ra in Kemet, is the correct name of the language of the place that many of us know today as ancient Egypt, in which our illustrious black African ancestors referred to their native land as Tameri or Kemet, and Maduna Ter was the language that they spoke. Okay? Not ancient Egyptian. Not hieroglyphics. Okay? <laughs> not Arabic, right? Maduna Ter. And if that's news to you, Okay. Oh, let me throw in another one there. Not Coptic, right? Not Coptic. But if that's news to you, if you didn't know the correct name of the place that we know today as ancient Egypt, if you didn't know the uh, correct name of the language of the place right, that we know today as ancient Egypt, if you didn't know that the indigenous inhabitants and founders of that civilization that we know today as ancient Egypt were a black African people, Right? If you didn't know that those black African people, right, were your people, assuming you're a black African, welcome, <laughs> then I want to say you just got a small, quick glimpse of what the Cool Kim is all about. Because Cool Kim, meaning black light, is all about resurrecting, restoring, reclaiming, basking and bathing and walking in and shining that illustrious black light of our illustrious black African ancestors. And you're going to hear some words today that you may feel as though don't go together, right? You're going to hear some words today that are put together that you may feel as though don't quite gel together. They kind of clash on your ears a little bit. You're going to hear some words today that sound a little funny, make you feel a little strange. You're going to hear words such as black, African, and illustrious, and powerful, and wise, and enlightened, all used in the same sentence, in the same context, referring to the same people. Right? Your people. Black African people. Okay? Don't be alone. Don't be alone. We ain't here to do no harm. <laughs> You know, any initial discomfort that you might feel, it'll it'll all subside after a while. Right? It'll it'll all you know you know dwindle away, gently, gently. You know, slowly, slowly. Um, you know, all it is is our exercising of that willingness chip and that willingness seed from your from your brain and your blood. Okay, so you know, 
Just hold on tight. Hold on tight. After a while, it's going to be all right. <laughs> but if you can get with that, I want to say welcome to the show and you know to the family that's always in the building, right? Welcome back home. Unk Ujasinel, Hetepu, Black African Power, right? Black Pan African Power, to quote our good brother Aubrey. You know, we got some, you know, man, we got some good things to deal with today. Some, you know, we got some issues to deal with today. We're going to pick up with where we, you know, from where we left off last week with the subject of, yo, stop hating on Kimmit. I mean, what is up with all the hate, man? Where is the love? You know, where is the love? You know what I mean? Like, literally, you know, hating on Kimmit is like hating on your great-grandmama, right? Hating on your great-great-grandmama. Who does that? Who hates on granny? You know what I mean? You know, what part of the game is that? So we have to, uh, you know, talk about this because it's some nonsense. And, yo, it's it's pretty funny. You know, I want to thank the family that, um, you know, that wrote me over the past week, um, you know, about your experience of Kimmit hate. <laughs> want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. Definitely we feel for you. And, um, you know, no worries. Right? We want to assist in providing the information that will end all of the Kimmit hate once and for all. All right? That's what we want to do. That's what we're here for. So, no worries, family. No, no worries. But we're going to, you know, we're going to definitely take our time with the subject. Um, it's a yeah, it's a meaty subject, man. I didn't realize that my, you know, my outline was so extensive, right? Until you know we got into the show last week, and you know, saw that oh, okay, yeah, this this actually could be a book. Like my outline could actually be the table of contents for a a book, right? So, right, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna deal with it as um you know as fair. You know, as possible, as much as possible, right? We want to also go back and revisit some of the, some of the, you know, the claims, some of the arguments that, you know, some of our people, some people are making. Okay, I mean, you know, just this morning, man, I saw, I saw something just so absurd. You know, it was actually one of the arguments that we mentioned last week, but you know, I, I figured I would go ahead and quote, you know, this individual. I'm not going to call, you know, call the person's name, but I will quote, you know, what this individual said, right? You know, to quote, okay, enough with this Kimmet on trial, okay? That's Kimmet on trial being a reference to, you know, the debate that took place between, you know, the, the you know, the quote-unquote comedic community, right? You know, and uh, the Hebrew Israelite community, all right? So, just to put a you know a little context there. Enough with this Kimmet on trial. The gods of Egypt have been defeated. Kemet been dead even before the debate. It's a dead culture with a dead language and a dead ideology. With dead gods that nobody acknowledges. It's dead. Time to move on. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Right, you know, like I said, that was that was just this morning, and you know, we we definitely we're definitely going to have to address, you know, um, the you know that particular claim, those claims, um, you know, as well as some of the ones that were made, you know, that were mentioned last week, 
And, you know, put it to rest, man, because it's some nonsense. It's obvious that these people don't know what they're talking about. You know, dead gods that nobody acknowledges. You know, acknowledges. You know, number one, the, the you know the fact that you're using the term gods in regards to the comedic spiritual tradition, you know, demonstrates that this individual does not really know what they're talking about. Okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna demonstrate that. You know, clearly, clearly, we're gonna show and prove that. Okay, this individual does not know what they're talking about. If you really understood the comedic spiritual tradition, you really understood Niter, If you really understood the interu. Okay, then you would know beyond any reasonable shadow of a doubt that the comedic spiritual tradition, the Neteru, cannot die. It is impossible for the comedic tradition to die. Okay, it is impossible. Okay, it is impossible. Right? I gotta, I gotta say it one more time for the comedic spiritual tradition, for the Neteru to die. Okay. And we're going to show and prove that, you know, you, you know, you're going to feel silly afterwards, right? But it's not our intention to make you feel silly, but to demonstrate that you lack an understanding on the comedic spiritual tradition and African traditional so-called religions in general, okay? We're going to demonstrate that. But, um, you know, that's just, you know, that's just one um, claim out of several Okay, just one claim out of several claims And we, you know, we're going to have to Definitely deal with the rest of them Okay Right, we want to go back in And deal with the rest of them But before we get into all of that Man, whew, let me first Things first Start things off in the right order Want to make sure we keep things in line With the divine We want to pay homage and salute rank So, I want to say that is, salutation of power, Father, Mother, Niter. I want to say, salutation of power, or that is, salutation of power to the divine forces of nature, the interu. I want to say, that is, that is, salutation of power to the ancestors, the legendary ones, right? The ancient ones, those of your, those of law, salute the ancestors. I want to say, Inech Herek, or Inech Heretin Ek, that is, salutation of power to your ancestors, those of you that are listening. I salute your ancestors as an African. And I want to say, in natural ten, that is, salutation of power to you all as manifestations, expressions, incarnations, emanations, literally the walking embodiments and personification of Niter yourselves. What we just went through was our divine ancestral lineage. Because for us, as an African people, with an African worldview, practicing an African way of life, right? For us, we trace our lineage all the way back to the divine, to the terre, to the cosmos, to the source, right? That is to say, for us, Niter or the creator is our first ancestor. We trace our 
trace our lineage back through our blood relatives back to the original man and the original woman and through the original man and original woman back to the interru, the forces of nature and through the interru back to Neter, to the creator and through Neter back to Nebuchadnezzar, the all, the infinite, the source of creator and creation. Right? We trace our lineage all the way back to the source of creator and creation. Okay? That's our divine ancestral lineage. However, not only is that our divine ancestral lineage, but for us as an African people practicing an African way of life with an African worldview, for us that is also the divine evolutionary and creative process through which we brought ourselves into being. You see, for us as African people with an African worldview practicing an African way of life, there is only one being in existence, period, and that one being is Niter, and all other beings are simply expressions of, emanations of, personifications of, incarnations of that one being, right? So, this is the divine evolutionary and creative process through which we, as that one being, but ourselves Fought from the source, from new, from Nebeter as Niter, as Ra, right? As Kepari. And we brought ourselves further, evolving and exploring ourselves, coming forth as the Interu, right? Further evolving and exploring ourselves, coming forth as the original man and the original woman. And further evolving and exploring ourselves. Right? Reproducing ourselves, refining and redefining ourselves, coming forth down the line and through the years till it ultimately culminates in our very existence right here, right now, in this very present moment. That family, what we just went through, that divine, ancestral lineage and that divine evolutionary and creative process that is the cool Kim that is the black light it is that knowledge right that twin essence right twin aspects to the same self divine African knowledge okay that is going to elevate our people out of the condition that we currently find ourselves in. It is that cool Kim that is going to project a light into the darkness of our people's minds so that we can see our ways out of the predicament that we find ourselves in. Okay? And if you can get with that. <laughs> All right, Dr. Ted, I want to say once again, welcome to the show. Okay, man. We got a we got a bond burner today, once again, right? We're gonna to have to take our time with it because I don't want to rush, right? Don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to leave anything out, you know. Definitely, you know, just with the nature, you know, with the nature of the subject matter 
this is something that has the potential to be a lifelong study. You know, when we're talking about show improving, um, you know, certain things, right? Especially when we deal with the latter aspect of the show, okay, as it pertains to, you know, the, the you know, the, uh, the pan-African origins of Kemet, okay, and its people, right? The, you know, Kemet has a pan-African empire, okay? The pan-African dispersal or diffusion of Kemet and her people, and then, right, the pan-African resurgence, um, you know, the pan-African revival of Kemet and her people. Right, we're going to deal with all of that, right? But, you know, just the the very nature of that part alone, okay, makes it a very, very deep subject that can, you know, yeah, it can be a lifetime's worth of work, okay? So, and we're going to we're going to cover as much as possible. I'm going to I'm going to be giving out um references and source right source material for you guys to go and you know check out right check it out for yourself um you know one thing that we do not do you know on cool kim we do not do in hininsu okay the thing that we do not do is make stuff up okay we do not make stuff up we don't just Pull information out of the wazoo or out of the ether, so to speak, right? We're not claiming to get all of this stuff from the Akashic Records, all right? <laughs> okay? We pride ourselves on on the fact that we can go into, right, into the actual literature of our ancestors and show and prove these things, right? We pride ourselves on the fact that, you know, we, we exercise, you know, proper reasoning and, you know, uh, the tupi hasab, the right method, okay, when approaching knowledge and learning, okay? So, you know, we're going to make sure that we provide the the source material, once again, you know, so that you can go back and check out this information. All right. Two, okay, before we go any further, right, we're going to open up the lines. You know, you like to do that about every 30 minutes or so. Give the family a chance to, you know, chime in. See what's, you know, say what's good, right? Heads up. And, um, you know, see if anyone has any questions or comments. You know, if you have anything that you like to say or add, questions or comments, etc. and so on, by all means, feel free to call in, right? We love to hear from you. Get you on the air. If you've experienced Kim and hate, right? Like the family that uh the family that wrote me over you know over the past week man you know, big old long paragraph right about all of the claims and all of the Kimmy hate the baseless claims and the and the you know the irrational hate right that has been expressed and experienced by this individual right you know it was it was just you know it was just something else but yeah you know if you've experienced Kimmy hate and you want to talk about it right you want to get it off your chest feel free to you know. Chime in, call in, we love to hear from you, right? Right? You got you got family here. It's okay. <laughs> and you know, if you, you know, wanna add something, you have something that you like to say, you know, comment a question, but you don't necessarily want to call in and get on the air, by all means feel free to, you know, put that comment or question in the talk show live chat room and we'll get to it. ASAP family. 
All right. Shout out to the brother Aubrey in the building. Okay. We're going to open up the lines. We're going to start things off with the Matnisutwarit, the QM, Marina Turt, Hetapu. Marina Turt, you're on the air. Hetapu. All right, to you. What's going on? Not too much. I just wanted to extend uh, that Hetapu to the Abat. And um, I'm not going to prolong with any any comments or anything on on uh, this past week. I just want to hear the presentation. I'm excited. Yo, all right. That's a good word. We're going to get into it. You. All right. Dwight, heads up. Okay. Simsuwat, what's going on? Hetapu. Teo, Hetapu, Hetapu. You got anything you want to wanna say or add before we get into things? Um, No, no, not really. I, I got actual questions. Um, Actually, this, this morning about... um. Who won? Who, everybody keeps asking me who won. Well, who I think that won? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't watch it. <laughs> who talking about the uh, the Kim and Owen trial debate? Yeah, I was like, okay. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't watch it. You know, some people keep asking me for links to it. I, I'm just like, look on YouTube. But um, <laughs> I guess when I get home, I, I guess when I get home, I watch it. Two, okay. That's, that's <laughs> all for me. I'm ready to hear what. I'm, I'm ready to hear you. All right, Dwa, Hetapu. Okay, Hetapu. Big brother Equanif, that you? Hotel, hotel. Nah, nah, this, this is steady. I was trying to, oh. I'm at work, but I'm just trying to listen in, so I just All let right. you listen. I, I was supposed to be on here, but trying to get some information, learn a little bit. No doubt. Hey, brother, it's good to hear from you. Yes, sir, same to you. To you, Hetapu. Okay, Hetapu, South Carolina, you're on the air. Hetapu, Hetapu. All right, Equanif, what's going on, brother? Good brother, man. Oh, man. I guess we watch these, just lower the clothes, man, start watching some of this, this hate out. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, we don't, we just need it. I was uh, listening to what Sam Swat was saying on the kinetic debate and Forgive me, uh, guys, but every, anybody talking about Kimmy, I'll be all on it, man. I'll be trying to find out if there's anything I, I can absorb. And, you know, even with those brothers at the debate, I can, you know, salute those brothers because they did, you know, knock that other, uh, the, the rhetorical crazy stuff out of the, out of the water. So uh, I do salute that as we're talking about uh, gathering up that information gathering up the true and righteous self to even be able to pass on to our children and to give us a good reason to feel good about ourselves brother uncle because uh, I'm getting tired of every time I try to speak good about Kimmy somebody telling me oh, well Kimmy didn't do this Kimmy came from this uh, Kimmy, and these are the supposed Kimmy lovers and the, the people that supposedly love Kimmy oh yeah when, when you really get into it you can see the ego being present because all it is is something that they don't know and then they want to claim on, cling on to something else. But I'm like, how awing Kim it is. It's going to take us a couple of lifetimes to sit down and, and absorb that, brother. Two, 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 two. Oh, man. Okay, so you did get a chance to, to actually peep the 
the debate, and you feel as though the brothers that um that were representing Kemet, they handled their business. They 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 finished it. To you, absolutely. Like you were just saying about the 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 part of not making things up, not bringing something out of out of uh, you know out of thin air, but actually yeah, yeah. leaning on the source of documentation and things that are credible. I can salute those brothers. Um, and uh, on, on their job, and um, you know, definitely they 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 did their thing. So uh, all right, I, hey, I'm glad to be able to go come home to Cool Kim and hear that hardcore, that real of the real, you know, that that definitely has uh, cultivated and made me. So salute to you, brother. Do I tell? All right, that's a good word, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Hotel at the pool. All right, all right. Those of you that are just tuning in. This is your brother, Unc Pinu. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio, and we're dealing with the subject. Yo, stop hating on Kimmy. I mean, yo, I mean, cut it out. I mean, stop hating on Granny, man. <laughs> okay, once again, I want to start the show off, okay, with the quote from the ancestor, Sheik Antadio, right? And, you know, the reason why I'm doing this, again, is because, you know, when we talk about, Right when we talk about, um, you know, the the resurgence of you know the you know comedic science, right? And we talk about you know the the you know the foundation of the hardcore, um, you know, scholarship, right? Scientific scholarship as it pertains to showing and proving the. African origins of the comedic people, as well as the the cultural unity of ancient Kemet with with all of Black Africa. Okay, right. When it comes to that, you know the the ancestor second to Diop, he he laid a very strong foundation, and you know um, the elder Theophilo Benga, who is his contemporary, you know also um, you know. Present at that time laid a strong foundation and then continued to work. We're going to deal with some of the scholarship of Theophilo Binger today, especially when we get to um, you know the subject of linguistics. Okay, the subject of linguistics and how we can utilize linguistics to show and prove, right? To show and prove the um, Pan-African dispersion or diffusion. Okay, as well as the Pan-African um, origins of ancient Kemet, right? You know, by by Pan-African origins, we're talking about all all of these various Africans, okay? Various Africans, various language speakers, okay? Language groups, right? Came into the place that we call Egypt today, right? All of these groups. Okay, they came and founded the, um, you know, the Kemetic civilization, right? And the Medunatel language provides us with a means to uh, connect the dots between all these different groups because after Kemet, quote-unquote, fell, right, we have what's called the the Pan-African diffusion or dispersal where these groups of Africans went back into the heart of Africa back from whence they came, 
right? And, you know, we have the linguistics to assist us in, you know, demonstrating that fact. We also have the oral traditions of these people, right? The oral traditions of these people to demonstrate that fact. So, you know, that's what we're going to be dealing with, right? That's what we're going to be dealing with. Um, you know, so definitely going to have some work from the elder, dear Philo Binga. Okay. We're going to start things off, however, with a quote from the ancestor, Shekhan Tadiop. Okay. Ancient Egypt was a Negro civilization. The history of black Africa will remain suspended in the air and cannot be written correctly until African historians dare to connect it with the history of Egypt. In particular, the study of languages, institutions, and so forth cannot be treated properly in a word. Uh, in a word, it will be impossible to build African humanities, a body of African human sciences, so long as that relationship does not appear legitimate. The ancient Egyptians were Negroes. The moral fruit of their civilization is to be, con is to be counted among the assets of the black world. To become conscious of that fact is perhaps the first step towards a genuine retrieval of himself. Without it, intellectual sterility is the general rule, or else the creations bear I know not what imprint of the subhuman. All right. That is from uh, the, the monumental work, African Origins of Civilization, Myth the Reality, by the ancestor Czech into Diop. Okay. Right, and you know, as we as we mentioned last week, yo, it's a very deep, it's a very deep subject. Okay, um, you know, you know, Diop felt that without Kemet, okay, without Kemet, you know, we lack a foundation. We we lack our roots. Okay, right, you know, it's like, you know, the Wazi, he has Greece, right? He claims Greece. Okay, he claims Greece, and without Greece and Rome, okay, where they allegedly trace right their system of government and social order and all of that, right, back to, okay, without um, you know those civilizations, the Wazungu and the short history that he has, you know, it would be obsolete. Okay, he would be obsolete as it pertains to, um, you know, having a place in world history. Okay, so Kemet, right? This is the perspective Kemet holds that place for African people, right? The 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 root of African civilization. Okay, the how you say that place where we can look. Back in history and and see a a prime example of our potential as African people and what it is that we are capable of when we are united, right? The um you know when we look at the contributions that Kevin made to the world in terms of spirituality, in terms of philosophy, in terms of mathematics and science and medicine. Okay, in terms of agriculture and and um, architecture, right? When we look at Kemet, okay, and we see the contribution that they made to the world, that even the Wazungu, 
okay, and his Rome and his Greece has to trace their their um you know coming into the knowledge of all of those fields that we mentioned back to Kemet, okay. Then we wonder why they don't want to give us Kemet, okay, right? For African people to have Kemet would mean that the Wazi got everything that he has of civilization, any type of civility that is, not the not the dysfunctional, you know, uncouth practices, right? But any any um you know civility, right? Any aspects or institutions of civilization, okay, that he has, he received it from African people. That's why they don't want us to have Kemet. You understand? You know, it's interesting because, you know, I had a conversation last night with a sister, right? And, you know, she, um, you know, I was posting some pictures, right, from the trip to Kemet, um, you know, that we took last year. And, you know, one picture in, you know, in particular, it was um, the the image in the temple of Herubehudet where, you know, on the walls, you can kind of see the walls, you know, a little bit from, from a side angle, um, you know, where there's a procession, right, being led, you know. And at the top of the stairway is a door, right, where it's just a light shining through, kind of giving that light at the end of the tunnel um, type of, you know, type of, um, you know, ambiance, so to speak, okay? Now, in seeing that, okay, in seeing that, the sister said, um, you know, it's beautiful, right? But she says, I still don't believe this were Africans, right, this, you know, these were Africans who did this. Nor do historians or even modern-day Egyptians. I asked one. Okay? <laughs> right? And, you know, of course, I had to, um, you know, respond to the sister and, you know, let her know that, yo, you know, um, we went to, you know, we went to Kemet. And, you know, the, the people there, right, the people that were there, the people that are still there, are still African people. Right? And, you know, what most people... Um, are familiar with or, you know, think of Egypt today is only Cairo in that area, right? A small piece, right, at the very top of the country. And, you know, even those people don't, you know, consider themselves to be um, Arab people, okay? And, you know, we got video documentation of a brother. And, you know, if you want to see this video, please, you know, send us a message. The only reason we haven't made the video public is... Because there's a lot of Kemet hate, right? It's, that's something, yo. Like, we have, we have video documentation, okay, of a brother that we met in Kemet, in Aswan, that broke down to us the African and Nubian origins of Kemet, right? And how the Kemetic people and the Nubian people were one and the same, okay? One and the same, right? We got a brother on film, right? You know, breaking it down for us, breaking down where, um, you know, Narmer came from, okay, in Aswan, in Nubia. You know, he's breaking it down for us, and, you know, we can't even make the video public 
because we don't want anyone, anything to happen to that brother. Okay? We don't want anything to happen to that brother because, you know, of people that want to try and hide the fact of our origin, the truth of our origin, the truth of our contribution to the world. Right? We don't want anything to happen to that brother, you know, for telling us the truth. Okay? You know, but he told us the truth. Right? And when we went into the Nubian village, right, we met brothers there that told us the truth. Okay? When we went to Cairo, right, our guy said, you know, when asked, where did these people come from? He said, they came from the south. When we went south into Luxor, we asked our God in Luxor, where did these people come from? He said, they came from the south. Now look, look at that. <laughs> and the further south we went, right, they kept saying the people came from the south. Okay? Right? So, you know, that's the situation that we're dealing with. Right? And, you know, we got the information. But, you know, I brought this up. To demonstrate the fact that, yo, Kemet hate is real. There are people there in the highest of institutions. The lady that, you know, um, told the sister that, right, the people weren't, is a professor, right? And supposed to be a native of Cairo or whatever. And, you know, I had to just, you know, straight up let her know that the lady was a racist. Okay? I definitely invite you guys to go and check out that post because I dealt with, um, you know, I dealt with, you know, a depiction, right? I showed a depiction from the tomb of Ramesu III, right, from Dynasty 20, um, which is very important, right? It's not the only example that we could have given, but it's a very important one because, you know, when it comes to African people in Kemet, they always want to try to limit our um, influence, right, and limit our our participation to the 25th Dynasty, which they consider to be the Nubian Dynasty. Right? They always want to limit us to, to that period, which is, which is, you know, very late, okay? Um, but, you know, we got a, an image from the, from the walls in the tomb of Ramesu III depicting the Kemetic people. And we know it's the Kemetic people because in between these people, you see the term for the Kemetic people written out in between these people. And when you look at this image, you'll find that, you know, they're depicted as identical to what we normally see the Nubians depicted as, right? When, you know, and they look identical to what you normally see as the, um, you know, so-called sub-Saharan Africans, okay? From the tomb of Ramesu III, right? And what makes it so important is that a DNA test was ran on the remains of Ramesu III, Right? And it was found that his Y, um, you know, he, he comes from, rather, okay, the Hapka group, right, of, um, want to make sure I get it right, the Y-DNA Hapka group, uh, Hapka group, E1B1A, which is common in sub-Saharan Africa and is also shared with African Americans. Okay? Right? This is Ramesu III. In the 20th dynasty, right? But we could go all the way back. We could go back to the third dynasty. What did um, Imhotep say to the Nisubiti Netarket or Zozer as to the origins of the Kemetic people? 
We want to deal with that, family. But, you know, it's important that our people have the ability to go to Kemet for themselves, okay? To, to see it on the walls for themselves, to visit the museums for themselves, to touch down on the ground for themselves and see it with their own two eyes that the Kemetic people there still today are African people. Still today. Okay? Not just in Nubia. Not just in Aswan. Okay? It's important that, we, that we're able to do that. It's important that we engage the primary text. Okay, you can go into the Valley of the Kings for yourself and see that image from the tomb of Ramesu III. See it for yourself. Right? That's what we're talking about, family. Okay? So, we're going to deal with that, right? We're going to deal with that. But, um, yo, we got some issues to address, right? We got some things we need to nip in the bud, man. Got some things we need to nip in the bud. Um... First things first, you know, I, I don't really feel the need to waste any more time on the Hebrew Israelites. You know, just going to put it like that. I don't feel, um, you know, in actuality, I really don't feel that, you know, they were even worth engaging. Okay? Because, you know, you know, when we're talking about putting Kemet on trial, right? You know, we're talking about putting Kemet on trial, okay? Um, you know... What kind of evidence do you have? Okay? What kind of agency authority do you have? Right? We're talking about a people whose existence, whose very existence in history is questionable. Okay? At best. Okay? Questionable at best. We're talking about a people that have bought into a book that is mythology and cosmology at best, but they interpret it and hold it to be historical factual accounts. Right? So what type of agency or authority do these people have to even put Kimmy on trial? Right? They don't have any. No evidence, no argument. Okay? Right? No evidence, no argument. Right? So I don't feel the need to engage them. Okay? I don't feel the need to engage the Muslims or the Christians. I might deal a little with the nation of Islam, though. Okay? We might deal a little with the, you know, with the five percent. Not sure. But um, I definitely, I definitely want to address, okay, the conscious community, right, the conscious Africans, specifically the militants and the black nationalists, okay? I definitely want to address them, okay? I definitely want to, um, you know, nip that argument in the bud because, you know, some of them, as we mentioned before, you know, they argue that, you know, Kemet is, you know, Kemet is soft, right? It's not, it doesn't have a place in black liberation movement, okay? Kemet, you know, we can't look to Kemet as an example of power. And, you know, I say, man, once again, you go to Kemet, you're going to change your mind about that for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, what leads to this argument, right, this misunderstanding is, the misrepresentation of what Kemet actually is by those that, you know, are supposedly practitioners of the Kemetic tradition, okay? When we've reduced Kemet to, um, you know, yoga, right, which is questionable. When we've reduced Kemet to, you know, simply meditation, okay, right? 
when we reduce Kemet to this turn the other cheek doctrine, right? Okay, then we got problems like these, right? People can come to the conclusion that, okay, this Kemet stuff is too soft. It does not have a place in the black liberation movement because, right, you know, when it comes down to it, there is the inevitable fact, right, the inevitable, um, you know, event that is going to take place that we will have to go to blows, right? We will have to have a physical encounter, okay, in the course of our, you know, strive towards liberation. So, you know, that's, that's under, how you say, the, the, the argument, okay, is understandable, but, okay, it's an argument that's based upon a straw man. Right, it's based upon the straw man because these people have um, misrepresented, okay, Kemet. They have not truly represented represented Kemet's culture or Kemet's stance on how to deal with enemy combatants, and we're going to talk about that. All right, man, whew, we about an hour in. You know, we're going to open up the lines and see if we've got a lot of the family that have called in, man. We're going to see what's going on. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother, Uncle New. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio. And, you know, we're dealing with the subject, yo, stop hating on Kimmit. Okay? And, hey, you know, we've, we've already demonstrated the fact that you're hating on Kimmit is like hating on your grandmama, man. You know, and, you know, that's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's an example of self-hatred. You know, hating on Kimmit People that hate Kemet hate their own reflection. People that hate on Kemet hate, either hate or don't know their own potential. They don't know their own origin in this life. Okay? Um, so, you know, we want to try to change that. Right? We want to try to change that. You know, we're not here to try to convert anyone to practice the Kemetic tradition. Right? We're not here to do that. There is no doctrine of conversion in any African tradition. Okay, you want to keep believing in your, your, your books, okay, right? Then you go ahead on and do that, okay? You go ahead on and do that. But, right, when you do come around here talking that yin-yang, okay, right? And you do, um, you know, try to present, um, you know, arguments, right, that, you know, basically deter people that are genuinely interested in learning and studying the comedic tradition, which is their, their right by birth, okay? When you do that, then we have to address you, okay? We have to address you, right? So, you know, that's what we're doing here today, right? If you like to call in, you have something that you like to say or add, right? By all means, feel free to do so. We love to hear from you. If by chance you have something that you like to say or add, but you don't necessarily want to call in, Feel free to leave that comment or question in the Talks to Live chat room. We'll get to it ASAP. All right. I'm going to start with the QM once again. Hetta Poo, Marina Turner, are you there? Hetta Poo. Tio. Tio, Tio. Real quick, you you kind of touched on it uh, at the opening of the, the um, presentation, but. Can you elaborate on um, method, methodology or reasoning and its importance and place in African traditional systems as compared to uh, spiritual systems, religious systems of the West? 
know, it's a big, <laughs> big question, but it's, it's something that needs to be brought out um, in the context of, of uh, this topic, definitely, so... Two, okay. Yeah, yeah. how you say, not a problem. Well, you know, we've already nutshelled it, right? You know, simply put, no evidence, no argument. Okay? Um, I definitely I definitely encourage, you know, everyone to go back and revisit the, um, you know, the, the show we did called Learning How to Learn, Knowing How to Know, Integrating Research and Reason. Okay? Definitely encourage the family to go back and check that out. Um, what you'll find... Is that you know at the foundation of most um, you know almost every right? And I use the term most and almost because you know just you know that's just the proper thing to do when to you know to avoid um, you know certain fallacies such as you know overgeneralization. Okay, um, so but you know there are many right. African traditions, including the Kemetic tradition, right, including the Dogon tradition, right, including the Akan tradition. You know, you we can we can you know we can go to many African traditions and what you know and what's considered African philosophy, right, which is an actual field that you can study. Okay, I've had the privilege of studying, um, you know, and sitting sitting under the uh, you know some of the most critically acclaimed African philosophers in the world. Um, you know, at the University of Louisville, you know, sitting, you know, in the class of one of them, D.A. Masogo, um, sitting, you know, um, you know, attending the conference, the African Philosophy Conference, um, you know, where they brought in the the great philosopher Kwasi Wiredu, okay, and you know, many of the many of the big boys came in to honor this man, right? Um, I can't remember if Theophile Obengo was there or not, but definitely we studied his works in the class, but. You know, the point here is when you look at African philosophy, okay, and what constitutes knowledge, okay, for us, knowledge equals experience and vice versa, right? They are inseparable. So, you know, first and foremost, right, for someone to truly say indeed that they know a thing, okay, they must experience it. Okay? They must experience it. Right? And even in, uh, you know, situations where um, experience is not possible or experience is not recommended. You know, for instance, you know, an example of that is, you know, smoking um, crack cocaine is not good for you. It's harmful. Okay? How do you know that? Well, you know, the only way to really, really, really know it, okay, is to smoke it. Right? That's the only way to truly know it. But that knowledge is not necessarily recommended or necessary. Okay? Uh, we can deduce, right? We can deduct from cases, right, and take, you know, examples of people that have smoked it. And see, that is not good, okay, for you, right? So, but in instances where knowledge is not, uh, or experience is not necessarily possible, then when conducting research, your research should take you as close to experience as possible. So, you know, we're talking primary research. We're talking about, you know, field research, if possible. 
and engaging, you know, the subjects of your research. If that's not possible, we're talking about um, studying the text of, um, you know, someone that is, you know, indigenous to the area, right, that is the subject of your research, okay? If that's not possible, we're talking about studying the research of someone that had conducted, either conducted the field research, okay, himself, all right, or has, you know, in, well, you know, that's pretty much the same, conducted the field research himself, right? But your, your, um, you know, or citing someone, right? At the end of the day, your research should take you as close to experience as possible. And the further away you get from actual hands-on experience, okay, the further away you get from actual knowledge. Okay, that makes sense? Right? You there? Okay. So, you know, with that, um, the next thing, of course, and, and this is, you know, just unified in all philosophy, right? Specifically African philosophy. You know, ma'at, for instance, when you put something on the scales, you're examining it, right? You're weighing it. You're calculating it, right? Ma'at means truth. Ma'at means that which is verifiable, okay? Ma'at is something that, you know, the only way that you can determine it, determines whether something is true or not, is you have to be able to weigh it. You have to be able to measure it. You have to be able to observe it, right, to calculate it, right? You have to be able to show and prove whether it's true or false, right? So the whole, quote, unquote, judgment scene, you know, is an example of the scientific process, right, the tupi hasab, or the correct methodology to ascertaining truth, right, in that, um, an individual is brought before the scales. Their heart is put on the scales, and they make certain statements that are being brought, you know, that are taken into consideration to come to a conclusion on whether or not the statements are true or false. Okay? So the person says, I have not done this. Right? I have not murdered a man. I have not, um, you know, stolen from the shrines of the Neteru. I have not cursed the Nisubiti. I have not, um, you know, cursed the Neteru, right? I have not um, committed sodomy or slept with a homosexual, okay? These, when, you know, when speaking these things, they are looking to see if the person, right, is telling the truth, right? That's an example, right? That's, that's analogy being represented there on the process through which our ancestors, um, you know, undertook to determine whether something is true or false. So first things first in any in any area that you're going to study, any research topic, any any experimentation, etc., so on. Whatever it is that you're trying to find out, whatever your question is, must first qualify itself as a question by being able, you know. You know, which is based on whether it's, you know, able to be proved true or false. If it cannot be proved either true or false, okay, it's not even a proposition. It's not even question-worthy. You don't waste time or energy or attention on it, okay? That's the difference between African traditions. All African traditions are experience-based. You don't have to believe. You don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to, believe simply because the book or the text or the wall say so. There is a there is a systematic approach that is set in place that, you know, you undergo 
and it verifies the truth of the tradition. Okay? It verifies it for you. Right? It verifies it. Um, you know, whereas, you know, these people, once again, they don't even need to know or, you know, say that they know this, these things for sure. All they got to do is believe. And they're, you know, they, they don't need to perform DNA tests to show and prove that they are Hebrew Israelites, right? They try to come up with all these arguments, but the whole foundation of their, their belief system, okay, is based upon a book and so-called prophecies from this book, Right, that they weren't there to first-hand experience. They don't know anyone that was there that um, you know, experienced these things firsthand. Right, and not only that, there is no evidence for most of the people. The majority of the people in mentioned in the text, the characters mentioned in the text, okay, that are verified outside of comedic kings and people that actually had um, you know. Encounters with them, such as Hezekiah. All right, you there? You, you have to mute the phone. <laughs> all good, all good. But um, that, that that take care of that though. Definitely. I mean, it's. I, I just noticed something interesting. Um, because it's like, um, in most most uh, Western traditions, and I'm. I'm including Hebrew Israelites and you know every everyone that you uh, brought out. That um, it's almost as if knowledge of the divine is incumbent upon some kind of emotional response, a strong emotional response. Hmm. Um, in addition to like that that strong belief, and so it's almost. And then even with all that being said, it's almost blasphemous to. To say that you have knowledge of of uh, of the divine, so it's like it's a slap in the face to, to even hear that. Okay, it's 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 a way to to experience that, and like yeah, just everything that that African uh, traditional systems represent, like as far as the reasoning and and. It's a science, a science to it. So it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, and you know, you, you see a lot of that when you're you're looking at um, most. I didn't get to watch the debate, but most of the, the uh, sit downs that led up to the debate, like it was a lot, a lot of emotionalism going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, the brother had that that one video where he just snapped, man, like ah. Turn the camera off. This ain't wrestling. And you know he says he says this ain't wrestling. And I'm cracking up because yo, he looks straight like Hulk Hogan or or Macho Man Randy Savage when he said it. I'm like yo, how is this not wrestling? Yo, you got the other dude that's that's playing the Undertaker music in the background. He's wearing hoods and robes, right? And he's talking like the Undertaker. But this ain't wrestling. Yeah, he, he was he was real. Random with that too, like what? Nobody, nobody. Yo, like what in the hell is going on? You right? It's not wrestling. You know what I mean? He's right. It's not wrestling. It's wrestling. (laughs) You know what I mean? Straight up. (laughs) (laughs) But wow for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 
That was deep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Good to go. Heads up. Heads up. Oh, man. To you. Heads up. Pooh. Simpson, watch you on the air. Heads up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Wow. Y'all make me really want to see it now. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I'm on the line. I'm 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 learning. I'm absorbing. You know, listening to everybody. All right, to you. That's a good word. I'll be back. Yeah. All right. Hey, Poo. All right. Hey, Poo. Equanif, you on the air? Hey, Poo. To you, man. You 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 know that's why it's good having a comedic family. Because everybody can't laugh the same the same. And I saw that same clip. <laughs> when the guy was like, ah! <laughs> and, and, and I wanted to ask a question. Because from, uh, when we when we talk about schedule or symbolism, and even with what they call the hieroglyphs or middle net tear, speaking through symbols, uh-huh. um, and, we, and we actually see the arm. Is it true? That the onk is a representation of mother and father, the the feminine, the unity between feminine and masculine principles, and also is it true that it's also a symbol of the unification of mind and heart, and is that the reason? Like even when we're talking about the brothers that are in the uh, the the pro black RBG movement, they got a lot of heart, they got a lot of fire. But then, and that kind of takes me back to even when we, you know, what if Peru was going to fight a fight, but he didn't have any parents. There was no offset, and there was no assault. He had no purpose. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering, is that what we are seeing? And, and, and in fact, has Western method, methodology, has Western teaching actually taught us that African, through the art of war, has, has it actually taught us reason like that and actually think we're going somewhere when in actuality in 2015 we all have we actually gone anywhere hmm. all right i say some some good questions okay so still with the first one right um mm-hmm. just looking at you know looking at the the unk right the unk you know, that was your first question you know, it's it's some interesting research out there. You know, definitely this is one thing to know about the the comedic symbols. They aren't necessarily one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um sometimes things are drawn in a certain way to resemble, right, to allude to other things. Okay? Right? But it's actually something else, but it's drawn in a way to allude to something else. So, you know, just looking at it, definitely we can see uh, the resemblance of the unk to the womb, okay, and of course the womb by extension, um, you know, to you know to the um, you know, but the the womb, of course, the the connection between uh, the womb and life, because the word unk means life, right? The connection there is evident, right? We don't even have to think that deep, you know, about the correlation between the womb and life, okay? But um, you know. There's also, you know, other things that have been presented that, um, you know, say, okay, it could be what's called the, the thor- thorac, uh, um, I, I think I'm saying that right. Let me make sure. Thor- thorac or thoraxic. Um, yeah, the thoraxic, um, you know, vertebrae, 
or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the collarbone and all of that, that that entire, um, you know, that entire area. You know, when you put the the unk, the jet, and the wash together, you know, what you see is is all of that that region, right, including the spinal cord and what have you. But um, you know, once again, it could be alluding to something else. Then we have the fact that the unk itself, um, you know, can be said to you know be comprised of two symbols. One is the shin, right, the the circle in the line, the shin or shinu, and then the um the line at the bottom being a symbol for the cubit, right? It's um you know um like the number one, like one thing or an object. Okay. Um. So you know that's how you say that is um, it's the it's questionable, right? On whether or not it's simply um, pertaining to the womb, okay? Because we also have terms in the language that are not unk but mean womb, right? So we got to take all those things in, into consideration. That's a that's a subject that is to be studied and and you know researched. Debated, etc., and so on within the comedic community, within the comedic schools. You understand what I'm saying, right? That's that's the subject that's to be studied there. Okay, but um, you know, definitely we can see the you know um, the connection when we when we look at it. Okay, the masculine and feminine principles, the um, and how that you know they're coming together. Um, you know, constitutes life, right? Leads to the creation of life. Um, you know, you know, and the uh, yeah, you know, other things, you know, in that regard, right? So, once again, that's that's something we have to look more into, more in depth with. Now, as far as that goes with the, you know, as far as let's say just in terms of the the conscious uh, militants, right? You know what we have, and I think you use the term the unity between the mind and the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I, I'm that that wouldn't necessarily be accurate from the comedic standpoint because in the comedic tradition, the mind is the heart. Okay, so you know, like um, you know, when you read um, the the literature, right? You know, it says that you know creation comes through uh, what the heart thinks in some instances, right? And you have the term kat in kaat or kai in ib or kaat in ib, the thoughts of the heart. Okay, so you know the heart and the mind are synonymous in um, you know, in the comedic tradition, right? But I will say this: there is because there is a tendency to divorce um, the black um, liberation, uh, let's say our revolutionaries, right? Those that have the fire, those that are warriors that are here to bang on the beast, etc. So on. There is a tendency to want to divorce, um, you know. And it's, it's not just, you know, them, right? It's not just the militants or us, right? Because I don't exclude myself from them, right? From the militants. It's not just, um, you know, that they want to exclude themselves from the people that practice spirituality or from the intellectuals, okay? Um, it's it's going both hands. There is also a tendency of the intellectuals and those that practice the spiritual traditions from wanting to, to divorce themselves from the revolutionaries, okay, the militants, right? So we have a, a dichotomy, um, a division set in place that needs to be dealt with, okay? It needs to be dealt with because 
each one of these areas, right, which, you know, the fact that we're even using the term each one shows that, yeah, the Wazungu has done a job on our perspective because from an African tradition, there is no way for you to divorce your intellectual uh, endeavors, your spiritual, you know, um, practices and your, your need to defend and protect your community, right? There is no divorce between the two, right? Uh, between these things, right? Um, in the from the African worldview, okay, the African holistic perspective is all of these things are integral parts of one whole, right? And if any one any element is missing, then it's incomplete. It ain't gonna work. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you know that's what's going on, and because there is a divorce between, let's say, the the intellectuals or the spiritual practices and the and the militancy, you know, it's um it leads to okay. On one hand, the spiritual practice, you got folk that want to say and just meditate all day, and they don't want to you know get their hands dirty. They think that they're going to be able to teleport a body here somewhere. Okay, when you know, when the when the ish hit the fan, so to speak, right? Then you got the intellectuals that think that okay, it's simply a mental um, war that needs to be taking place. We need to engage the wazi in the books, right? Publish the works and you know write things that will change these people's minds, right? And will it will affect um you know will affect uh you know change through legislation and things of that nature, right? Problem there is many of the intellectuals um, are also integrationists, okay? They're not pan-African nationalists, right? Those that take that perspective, okay? So, you know, that's something, you know, it's, it's a, that's a bigger question in and of itself that needs to be dealt with, right? But then because you also have, you also have militants that, you know, don't necessarily, you know, consider themselves intellectuals or practice, you know, you know, any African spiritual traditions, you know, they, you know, tend to be a little irrational, just to be, just to be blunt, irrational, right? Um, you know, to, um, they make moves, they say things and do things in public on YouTube, right? That is not wise. When you are, you know, you know, they they lay out strategy and what we need to do, do this, this, that, and the third to the wazi, right? On YouTube, right? On the, uh, you know, on the Facebook, pointing, pointing their peace shooters and, you know, uh, in songs and whatnot, and you know, they end up getting a red light put on them, you know, under the ray, you know, they're under the radar, the microscope now to where. You know, the Wazi, who loves to run interference, who loves to run counterintelligence, who loves to run, um, you know, preemptive measures to circumvent any of the things that you, you know, might be talking about, right? And then, you know, just trump some stuff up, right? Trump, you know, trump up charges, you know, and, you know, um, you know, just, just, you know, a lot of these people end up getting locked up for some ish that they didn't do, you know, and that's, you know, that's just, um, you know, the, the situation there, right? No one is encouraging our warriors to put out the fire, right? The fire must be tempered and it must be channeled intelligently. We have to get ourselves into a position to where we'll be able to utilize that fire efficiently and effectively 
Yo, instead of being useless sacrifice, you either going to live the life of a pawn or you're going to live the life of a king. Straight up, in, you know, straight up. So, you know, that's that. To you. To you. And, that, and when, you, when you were kind of stating that, that kind of reminded me of uh, the story of Haru Pakwad or when Sutesh presented itself inside the uh, inside the pig. And um, was it the pig or the bull? Um, two. It was a, it was a black pig. The black pig, and then uh, Haru's eye became cloudy. Right. You. Okay. You. It, it, that that's pretty much kind of like similar to the same to the same uh, equation. Even when we divorce that, I guess that 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 fire from you know the our higher intellect, or when when you're saying the mind is supposed to be one with the heart. Then when we, you know, uh, not let our let our heart be guided by by true and righteous mind, that kind of reminds me of the same story. Is that okay. that's pretty much on point? Okay. Well, you know, once again, in the comedic tradition, the mind is the heart. Okay. okay. You know, just want to want to reiterate that one more time. But um, you know, absolutely, the story, right? The term that's used, right? When 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 Heru gazes upon Sutesh in the form of a pig. Right, the term that is used for what's created in his eye is Hananu, right? Hananu, which means storm, but it also means confusion because you know when when we look at storms and we see all the stuff going on, the winds are blowing, it's raining, it's lightning, it's thunder, etc. So on, right? It it is analogous to confusion in the mind or confusion in the organization of a thing. Okay, so you know it's I say. That term, you know, or that story is talking about what can happen when we gauge upon, you know, when we look at the pig, the pig was considered boot or taboo in the comedic tradition. It's an abomination. It's filth. It's isfet, right? Um, it's other than ma'at. And when we gaze upon that which is other than ma'at, okay, then, you know, if we're not all the way on point, you know, and, you know, um, if we haven't learned how to properly utilize our our minds and our attention, right, then, yeah, you know, we can begin to feel a certain kind of way, you know, about what it is that we see, and it can, you know, lead to confusion in the mind and cause us to do things that are unintelligent. To you. To you. Okay. To you. Uh, Uncle, I got a few more questions. Uh, well, I, I want time, but they they are very valid. Okay. All right, uh, come come on I just, now. <laughs> I, just, I, I just want I want to ask, uh, why is it? And, and being that you you definitely have studied uh, various forms of African civilization, why is it important for us to establish a nation nation similar to what I see as our last greatest nation, Kemet, and also what other civilizations did African have that could match Kemet? Okay, well, you know that's that's a good question. Well, you know the 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 match thing, right? That's something that you know I think African people you know would debate. But you know towards the end of the the show today, you know before we end the show today, you know we'll end that debate because you know you'll be debating against yourself when you once you really understand it, right? But yeah. um, you know it's you know when you when we look at Kemet and then we look at the condition of of African people. Once again, Kemet is a pan was a pan African civilization, and you know when we look at um, our people today, 
you know, if we think that anything other than pan-Africanism is going to get us out of, you know, out of the condition that we're in, right? If we think anything other than pan-African nationalism is going to get us out of the condition that we're in, we are, you know, we are, you know, we are, um, you know, <laughs> right? We're confused, right? So, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, it would behoove us to, you know, look to Kemet, right? And we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth, you know, as, you know, we're going to look to Kemet as an example of, you know, what it is that we are capable of when we are unified, right? When we're unified, um, you know, and we can look at Kemet and study the history of the of the you know periods in between um you know dynasties called intermediate periods right where you know the kingdom was disunited right broke up into feudalism or tribalism and you know every city had its chief or king or whatnot okay um and you know how these periods you know were also um uh, you know you know what we could consider you know they were very close to um, the periods when foreigners would come in, okay, right, or they might follow, right, they might precede or follow periods where Kemet is conquered, okay, so, you know, this is, this is something that we have to definitely, definitely, you know, take into consideration, but yeah, when we look to Kemet, we're looking at our origins, we're looking at the example of our greatness, and, you know, most, what we're going to demonstrate is most of the African civilizations that followed Kemet, okay, were descended from Kemet. That's what we're going to talk about. But I don't want to get there just yet. Still, hotel. I greatly appreciate that. Do I owe? Do I owe? All right. No doubt, brother. Excellent questions. Still, hotel. Still, Hetapu. All right. Hetapu, Illinois, you're on the air. <laughs> Illinois. Okay, probably just listening. Hetapoo, Middle Tennessee. Is that is that the brother Sam Neal? Hetapoo. Okay, probably just listening. Hetapoo, Aubrey, you're on the air. Hey, sorry about that, brother. Um, oh, all right. Hotel to the family. Just was calling in. I was having some technical difficulties earlier. I couldn't hear from the from the laptop, so mm. called in, man. I'm just listening and uh, listen to y'all. You know all the builds, and I'm just gonna keep listening, man. And I'll probably chime in on the next one. I didn't catch the whole last uh, part. To you, no doubt, brother. All good. Heads up to you, to you and the queen, though. Oh yeah. To you. All right, brother. I'll be back. Okay. All right, all right. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother Uncle New. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio. Dealing with the subject. Yo, stop hating on Kimmy. Part two. Stop hating on your grandmama, man. Stop hating on Granny, right? You know, um, this is the second part to um, our, you know, our, um, you know, discourse from last week. If you didn't catch last week, don't worry. It is archived. 
and available for you to listen to, download, stream for your charge, right? So um, definitely, definitely get in there. We got over 90-something shows in the archives, right? Okay, so let's deal with the, let's deal with the, the, the issue that, you know, the black power, right, the black power community has with Kemet, right? Um, you know, this problem, I think, is, you know, connected to many of the folk that claim Kemet that are also, um, you know, what we could consider to be formless, right? They're the formless, stateless people, you know, that I mentioned. You know, these are people that don't identify with anything or identify with everything, right? And, you know, they are not necessarily black nationalists, right? Most of these people are not black nationalists, right? They are the, you know, one with all kumbaya, turn the other cheek people, okay? Um, you know, these people, right, are, I think, the reason why, you know, these people representing Kemet is the reason why most of the nationalists, the black power, black nationalists, um, the militant parts of our family, you know, don't necessarily want to rock with Kemet, right? They feel as though Kemet is soft or anti-militancy or anti-revolutionary, it's spooky, etc. and so on, right? Um, and it won't help us build a nation. So, you know, the problem here is that, you know, what we have is people that are claiming to represent Kemet that are actually representing or practicing what's called syncretism, okay? Syncretism is when you take from various different cultures, various different spiritual traditions, and you turn it into a big pot of spiritual gumbo, okay? Um, you know, now, the problem here is that many of these people, they've taken from the East, okay? They've taken from the East. And, you know, by East, we're talking about Hinduism or Tantra or something like that. We're talking about yoga. We're talking about Taoism or Buddhism, okay? All right? This, these are, you know, primarily the traditions that these people have taken from. And then, you know, we can throw in um, Kabbalah, right? We can throw Kabbalah in there, um, which is mainly taken... Not even from um, the, the quote-unquote Jews, but mainly, you know, taken from the Western occult um, approach, okay? Now, with all these things, and, you know, even with that, the Western occultism is a syncretism. You can study the works of, you know, um, Franz Bardon. You can study the works of Aleister Crowley, you know, cats like that. Um, you can study their books, and you can see that they took from everywhere. Like, it's, syn it's syncretic. So, um, with this, right, now, the problem is, isn't that we can't learn from other people, right? That's not the issue. The issue is that when you take other people and you don't um, first have a strong foundation in what is your own, okay, that which is your own, Right? Then you end up with Hananu. You end up confused. Okay? Um, you know, you've got your gumbo spoiled. <laughs> oh, you burnt up your rule. Like, you, you know, you didn't do your rule. Your rule's weak. So you got soup. You got vegetable soup, but you was trying to make gumbo. Right? And, you know, if y'all don't know what, you know, what I'm talking about, 
Yo, I got to come down here and take a trip to New Orleans, right? So you know what I mean. <laughs> right? But, um, you know, it's, um, you know, that's the problem here. So when we take ideas from Buddhism that does not place much stake or value in the physical life, then you no longer see a need to prolong your physical life, right? When, as a matter of fact, when we take, you know, Buddhism, for instance, and we say, okay, um, you know, we're trying to, right, become enlightened so that we can, you know, leave here, disperse ourselves back into the, the all, and we don't have to reincarnate, right? It's escapism, right? Escapism by any other name. It doesn't matter what name you call it. Escapism is still escapism. Escapism is you don't have to worry about um, dealing with those that oppress you because, you know, when you die, you're going to get your just due in, the, in heaven, in the sweet by and by. You don't have to uh, worry about the wazungu, you know, stealing your gold, right? Going in and ripping you off on national television, right? Going in and ripping you off and then making a show called Jungle Gold about ripping you off. You don't have to worry about, you know, taking command of the resources under your own feet because when you die, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to, um, you know, reap the benefits of streets paved with gold. Okay, you don't have to um, necessarily worry about um, growing strong families, right? Or you know what I mean? You know, you know, growing people. Don't worry about it. When you die, you go to paradise, and you have paradise, and you have seventy-seven or seventy-two virgins, or whatever the case may be. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's issues like that. All right, it's ideas like that. Taking from these traditions. Okay? Pacifism. Gandhiism. Okay? Taken from these traditions. Alright? Okay? Even when we look at the life of Buddha and Buddha, you know, Buddha abandoned his family, looked at his child as as something that was gonna stop him from uh you know, stop him from being enlightened, called him, you know, a, a term that means ball and chain or fetter. You know what I mean? When we look at Buddha, right, we look at everything that is anti-African, no matter how many of us want to claim that Buddha was an African, okay? In our claim that Buddha was an African, we just look at his life and see his life is totally anti-African, okay? When family and ancestry is the very essence of everything that is African, right? So, you know, it's taking concepts from those systems that lead to, uh, you know, and then, and, you know, taking those concepts and then portraying them as comedic is what leads, um, you know, revolutionaries, those that, you know, you know, see that, okay, we are going to have to deal with these people physically, here, feet on the ground, right? It causes them to look at us and not take us seriously and not want to have anything to do with us. Okay? So, you know, that's something that is a problem. Okay, that's a problem. So, you know, that's you know, that's just one example, but it's more it's mainly these syncretic 
people, these people that have mixed up a whole lot of stuff and then put comedic stamp on it, um, and, you know, they either have not studied, um, you know, and engaged the comedic literature themselves, they have not been to Kemet to see for themselves, you know, it leads to a misunderstanding. Because you go to Kemet, all you're going to see is black power. All you're going to see is the Nisubiti on the walls, okay, um, conquering his enemies, you know, the enemies of the state. You read the literature, you're going to see how they dealt with the enemy combatants, domestic and abroad, okay? You're going to see, right, how they dealt with them, okay? This is, it's, it's all over the place, it's in every book, so, you know, once again, we have to we have to make sure that when people are are presenting what they're doing to be comedic, we have to be able to question them. We have to challenge them to demonstrate how the ideas that they are presenting or proselytizing is comedic. Where can it be attested to in the primary text? Right? Where is the documentation? What temple? What papyri? What tomb? Okay. These are questions that we have to ask these people when they are presenting their information. Okay? That's how we deal with it, right? That's how we deal with it. So, once again, the problem that the militants have for the most part is due to straw man arguments and not necessarily conjured up by them originally, originally that is, right? But, you know, people have misrepresented Kemet, and when arguments are made and Kemet is chopped down, it's not even the real Kemet that is being argued against or chopped down, okay? That's something that needs to be understood. All right. Now, the, the stateless and the formless people, right? You can't, you can't divorce, once again... You know, Kemet from any other African tradition and all African traditions are, um, you know, nationalists, okay? They're family-oriented. They're ancestry-oriented. When we look at Kemet, okay, we're looking at a Kemet that is literally the essence of it. You know, the tradition is, is ancestral veneration, right? That's the essence of Kemetic spirituality, okay? And, you know... They were heavily nationalistic, right? Kemet may in actuality be the most nationalist, patriotic nation that ever existed, right? I would be within my right to say that, okay? I can go into the text, right, and demonstrate that fact. We can read the, the biography. We can read the literature. We can read the political literature, Right? And see how they dealt with and viewed the nations around them. Okay? Don't get it confused. Kemet was a nation. It was a black pan-African power nation. Okay? It was a black pan-African power-oriented nation. Okay? They did not even allow Greeks to come into Kemet until Kemet was conquered. Okay, so that's another thing that needs to be nipped in the bud, right? When you read the work of Herodotus, he lets you know that the comedic people viewed the Greeks as taboo. Everything from them, them themselves, right? And 
okay, um, they were not permitted to and would not even eat from the same bowl as a Greek. Eat using the same fork that a Greek has used. Drink from the same cup that a Greek has drank from. Okay? This is the comedic people. Right? They were not integrationists. They were pan-Africanists. Right? But they weren't integrationists. Okay? So, you know, that's something that needs to be nipped in the bud. So, for those that are walking around claiming to be comedic and you want to take from all of these different places, you want to claim everything, you want to claim all of these gods that are not African, right? They might have origins in Africa, you know, in African deities, just like all other deities, okay? But they're not necessarily African today, right? You have to look long and hard to find the extra African essence that might still be there intact. Okay? You want to claim all these things and say that you don't have to identify with just this one or just that one. You are someone that cannot be trusted. Okay? You are someone that we got to keep an eye on. You are someone that, you know, you got multiple passports and it ain't a good thing. You get caught. Right? At customs in any country with various passports, first things first, folk going to look at you as like, like you're a spy. They're going to have to wonder what's up with you. Okay? So you need to be dismissed. <laughs> right? You need to be dismissed. Right? So we're not going to um, address, you know, once again, they need to be, they need to be um, dismissed from the argument for really the same reason why the um you know why the Hebrews you know and their children need to be dismissed because they don't um have any evidence to support most of the things that they that they're talking about right you know demonstrate how all of these things and all these places that you're grabbing from all of these things are comedic and then we'll listen to you but if you can't demonstrate and show and prove right feet on the ground actual documentation if you can't show and prove it we don't want to hear it okay and I'm sorry if I sound a little harsh, family. I'm sorry, okay? But these are problems that cause unnecessary conflict, okay? It causes unnecessary conflict. And we have to deal with them. All right, so we mentioned, um, you know, that you know, most of these traditions or most of these organizations, rather, Right, that are hating on Kemet do so because they're losing, you know, they're losing popular popularity, they're losing um, relevance. Right, people are leaving them to become comedic, right, to accept their own, so to speak. Right, um, you know, we mentioned the work of you know Brother Wesley Muhammad, and you know, I respect him as an African, as a black man, as a scholar. Right, respect him. Um, you know, actually came up in the NOI admiring him, right? But um, some, you know, there's some problems with, with his work. You know, um, you know, I have no issue if you're going to present the teachings of the Nation of Islam in an African context and, and line it up in the same way that you would any ATR. You know, um, you know but the problem is most, of the people in the NOI, including from what I've seen, you know, you have not demonstrated, you know, Wesley Muhammad has not demonstrated, um, 
you know, a thorough understanding of ATRs, right? You know, there is there is a tendency to try to make ATRs something other than what they are, okay? And he is not demonstrated an understanding of an ATR, right, to be able to line up the Nation of Islam teaching or the teachings of, you know, Islam in general to, let's say, Ifa or the Kemetic tradition, okay? So, you know, that's the number one problem. But with that, you know, majority of the people in the Nation of Islam do not look at the teachings of the NOI as, um, you know, in the same light as an ATR, right? They don't look, for instance, and let's demonstrate this. What These are things that we can consider to be common amongst all ATRs, okay? These are things that can be said to be common amongst all ATRs. These are pillars, right? These are pillars that can be utilized to, you know, that are utilized, rather, by all ATRs to confirm and affirm one another, okay? And they are the acknowledgement of one divine being, right? And what I mean by that, I, and I really should say one divine source, okay? Right, one divine source, right? So in the comedic tradition, this might be, you know, it might be called Amun. Or noon, okay, new, right? Pita noon, right? And depending on the, the the location of the cosmology, the the name of this force uh, might vary. But the you know the uh, what it represents in the classification and, and the organization of reality is the same, right? Um, we're talking about the source, the infinite, the all, right? Um, you know the Yoruba call it Oro Dumare. Okay, the Dogon might call it Amma, all right? Um, we have these, you know, these traditions, right? Zulu might call Unkulukunu, right? These are, these are the same forces, right? Or the same, let's say, the same reality being represented and personified in these stories, okay? In these cosmologies, okay? It's been classified. Um, so... All ACRs have one divine being or one divine source, the acknowledgement of it, right? Then this one divine being manifests itself and works through a multiplicity of beings or agencies, so-called deities or lesser gods, right? All being aspects of the one, okay? So for Niter or Nebecher, right, we have um, the Interu, right, the Neteru. Okay, and regardless of the cosmologies, in every single cosmology, it is, you know, the Neteric comes forth as Ra. So, Amun, in the cosmology of um, Waset, okay, or Thebes, right? Amun comes forth as Amun-Ra, okay? And, you know, when Ra comes forth, he brings forth from himself the rest of the Neteru, Okay? He evolves as the rest of the Neteru in all of creation, right? But um, this is the same, once again, for all cosmologies. Even when we're looking at the cosmologies that um, are centered around the divine feminine, neat, right, or set, heteru, they are considered the mother of Ra, right? So in these instances, 
right? The universe, the infinite, is likened to the, the maternal principle, to the womb. And Ra is the child that is born from the womb. And from that child, all of the rest of creation and life comes into existence. Okay? Right? This is this is what we have in the comedic tradition. So you have Niter, even in the term for the divine, Niter, and you have Interu, right? Niteru, which lets us know that the essence of all of the Neteru or the root of all the Neteru is Niter. Right? It's in the language. Okay? You have the Orisha, right? In the Yoruba tradition. You have the Voodoo in Benin. Right? Dahomey, voodoo, right? You have the Nomo in the Dogon tradition. You have the Abosom in the Akan tradition. You have the Lowa in Haitian voodoo, okay? Right? This is what we're talking about here. So you have one divine being and you have this divine being manifesting itself, working, right? Doing things through these agencies. These multiplicity of agencies and divine forces. Okay? Then, all ATRs have the acknowledgement, veneration, and interaction with ancestors and their interceding in our affairs. Okay. Now, this is to say all ATRs recognize ancestors and practice ancestral veneration. We look at the, you know... You know, our being, okay, consisting of multiple aspects, right? Multiple aspects, right? So, for instance, we have a ba, right? We have a ka, we have an ib, right? The ba, which has been translated soul, okay? Which can, you know, which we teach is the inner ancestral spirit, right? It's literally the seat of Niter, right, that incarnates in to our being as our inner ancestral spirit, okay, which expresses itself as our conscience and is inherited through the Father. And we can demonstrate this from the comedic literature, clearly, okay. Um, but then we have the Ka, and there's a difference between the Ba and the Ka, right? The Ba can go ahead further after, you know, a person makes their transition to wehem unk or repeat life or so-called reincarnate, okay? Um, but the ka can continue an independent existence separate from the physical body, separate from the, the life of the ba. The ba might go on to reincarnate while the ka is still being venerated as an ancestor via a shrine, okay? And... Offerings are made to the Ka or Karu of our ancestors. Right? And the ancestors are seen to be a reality. And they can be engaged and communicated with through ritual, through ritual possession, through divination. Alright? Where is and demonstrate for us the practice of ancestral veneration with all of the, you know, all of the, you know, the parameters that we've laid down in the comedic tradition, right? We see the, the shrines. We go to the tombs. We see the shrines in Kemet, 
right? We see the offerings and the sacrifices being made. Ancestral libations is a universal practice of it, all ATRs. Divination is a universal practice of all ATRs. Demonstrate for us the practice of ancestral veneration in the nation of Islam. The mother plane don't count. <laughs> right? The mother plane does not count. Right? You know, because you're claiming that, you know, Elijah did not physically die. Right? His body never died. Okay? You're claiming that he's alive up there on the mother plane. So that does not count as it pertains to ancestral veneration. Now, Esoterically speaking, if we're going to call the mother planes, right, the mother plane, the mother of planes, the way that he broke it down, esoterically, the mother of planes, right, meaning the, the, the plane from which all planes and planets in the universe and everything that happens in this realm is born from, right, the spirit realm, right, what our ancestors called the duat, which is analogous to the womb, right, the duat can be considered the mother plane or the mother of planes. If that's what you mean, then yeah, we can say Elijah's alive on the mother plane or in the mother of planes. But that's not the way that you guys teach that. That's not the way that you guys understand that. You say that he's on the wheel, okay? The UFO. And he's physically alive. He never physically died. So... We can't give you ancestral veneration with the mother plane. Not only that, you do not practice ancestral ven um, you know, offerings. You do not set up ancestral shrines. You do not pour libations. You do not perform sacrifices. You do not perform divination to communicate with the ancestors. Okay? So, you are not matching up to the criteria. Okay, and if you try to divorce the ATRs that you're trying to line Islam up with from these criteria, right? You're being disingenuous in your scholarship. Or you lack an understanding of what makes an ATR an ATR and how all ATRs affirm and confirm one another. They vouch for one another. They validate one another. Okay? Communion and communication with the spiritual realm through ritual and divination. This includes deities, Neteruan ancestors, right? Divination. Once again, where is the divination, right? We can look at all of the, you know, all of the examples in the text of oracles in ancient Kemet, right? Right? We can look at the, the, the questions that were asked to the oracle. We have the actual questions that the ancestors asked. When approaching the oracle, when receiving divination in Kemet, right? We actually have the term meaning oracle, bia or biat, meaning oracle in Kemet. Okay? Right? So this is, this is, this is, where is that here? Yo, I lay out in my, in my book, Remembering Osir, forthcoming, very soon, family, and I mean that, right? But I, I have... Examples of questions that were asked to the oracle. I have, um, you know, examples and stories of, you know, you know, of, from the literature, right, of our ancestors engaging the oracles. And, you know, the oracle either being, being, you know, a method of casting lots to discern an answer, right, 
or you know, a more sophisticated system, such as in the temple of, um, you know, the house of Net in the temple of Tahuti, okay, right? And also, we also have the, um, the oracles of Amun, right? And when the oracle is a priest, right, we have instances of a priest possessing Amun and dealing with the, with the individual when the oracle is used for judicial purposes, okay? So, you know, this is once again heavily attested in the comedic tradition, right? We have the term once again for oracle in Madunate language, all right? We have Ifa in the Yoruba tradition, which is an oracle, right? That is used to communicate with ancestors and deities, right? Orisha, right? Or Ifa, right? We have the Obi, which is also an oracle. It's a, considered a lesser oracle than the Ifa, right? But the, we also have the Obi that is used to communicate with the ancestors, with the Orisha, right? You know, the, you know, the examples that I gave, we have the, we have the oracle of Amenhotep, right, in ancient Kemet, right? So not only did the deities have oracles, but the ancestors had oracles, and you're communicating and with them through these oracles, Alright? That's what we're talking about here, right? We got the Fa, right? We got the Ifa in Yoruba. We got the Fa in Voodoo. Okay? In in the Dogon tradition, there's a practice of divination, right? Where they where they perform the geomancy and draw the, the, the divination patterns in the sand. Okay? Alright. Demonstrate for us the practice of divination, right? I've seen one thing, right, that you guys have done, and it's not even universal. And this is, you know, the practice of saying a prayer or asking a question over the Quran and then throwing the book up, right, and open to see, and, you know, whatever page the book falls on, you look and you get your answer, all right? That don't look like no, no system of divination I've ever, I've ever seen. I understand it's considered bibliomancy, right? Bibliomancy, okay? But who are you communicating through that? With, through that, right? Are you communicating with the, the 24 scientists, so to speak, or the 12 major scientists? Do we even consider the 12 major scientists to be deities, or, you know, divine forces, natural forces in the same way that we consider the Neturu, the Orisha, the Voodoo, or the Loa, or the Nomo. The Abosom. You do not. Do you engage in communication with the scientists? Through Oku, through meditation, through ritual possession. You do not. Okay. So we have, we have to dismiss you on those grounds also. Then, right, the importance of satisfying and uplifting in the, the various agencies of the spirit world through our spiritual, moral cultivation, offerings, and sacrifice for success in life and the realization and actualization of one's innate potential. Okay, well, they do teach that, you know, the, the original man is God in the NOI, in 5%, etc., so on. So we have to give you that, right? Um, and, you know, you have your system set in place for that, right? So we give you that. But you do not 
perform sacrifices to the ancestors. You do not make offerings to the ancestors. You do not make sacrifices. In actuality, you don't, you don't even make sacrifices in general. You don't make food offerings. You don't make animal sacrifice. Right? You give money like they do in church. Right? And that charity is not interpreted to be going to um, some divine force. Right? Or divine forces or the ancestors or anything like that. So we have to dismiss you on those grounds. Okay? What we just laid down, family, right, what we just laid down is the criterion that can be utilized when, um, you know, when anyone is trying to lash themselves on to the comedic tradition, whether it's the NOI, whether it's the Moors, or what have you. That's the criterion for determining whether or not something is an authentic ATR. If it does not meet those criterions, it cannot be considered an ATR. Okay? All right. Then, right, there's the issue of trying to make something that is modern more ancient than it actually is. Okay? You're trying to make something that was, that was found in, you know, the 1930s, 1914. Right, 1912, up in there. You're taking something that is relatively young when you compare it to the traditions that you're trying to equate it with, latch it on to, or claim supremacy over. Alright? And, you know, just looking at, you know, what has you know, what has happened so far, there's no grounds to uh definitely for supremacy. You know, we can throw that out the window. You know what I mean? There's no grounds to claim, for them to claim supremacy, right? No grounds, okay? There's no grounds. All their teachings that are, are you know, kinship, you know, that, that we can say are kin to, right? That are like the comedic tradition or the comedic teachings or other African traditions. Sure, sure, right? Absolutely. But, you know, those, those uh, ideas... Right, that you have that are similar or the same are basically drawn from either the comedic tradition or a source that took it from the comedic tradition. Either way it goes, the point here is when we look at your lineage as it pertains to the information and where it came from, right, outside of your mythology, which no one can prove, right? So that's another thing. You fall into the, into the, um, you know, into the paradigm with the with the Hebrew Israelites. You fall into that category, right? Outside of your respective mythology for your group, right? That no one can validate, no one can prove, okay? It's a belief, right? When we trace the lineage of your information, it's going to ultimately lead to Kemet. It's going to lead through some occult you know, traditions, whether it be the Masons or the Moors or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? And it's going to lead to Kemet. All right, so we can dismiss them. <laughs> All right, those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother, Uncle New. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio. Hey, man, we're dealing with the subject. Yo, stop hating on Kemet, Right? Had to, you know, we had to, you know, set some things straight. Um, you know, we cannot dismiss reason 
from my research. We cannot dismiss reason, period, man. You know, I mean, come on, like, you know, this is some outlandish stuff that we're having to deal with here, right? <laughs> right? Um, you know, but those of you that are just tuning in, you listen to Cool Kim Radio, we're about to open up the lines if you'd like to um, add on. You have a question or comment, something that you'd like to say or add, by all means, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you. If by chance you um, like to add something but you don't necessarily want to call in, feel free to leave that comment or question in the Talks with our chat room. We'll get to it ASAP, family. All right. That's a pool, Marita Turk. It's a pool. All right, to you. You, I, I don't have, uh, really don't have too much to, to say or, um, or any questions. I'm just enjoying, uh, I was enjoying where you were going with it, so. Two. All right, that's a good word. I check back. You. That's a pool. All right. Simpson Watt, that's a pool. You're on the air. That's a pool. Um, you know, it, it, it's never a dull moment. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really don't have too much to say. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it, with everything. All right. Dwau. Dwau. Pew, heads up. All right. Heads up, pool. Equanif, you're on the air. Hotel pool, hotel pool. All right. Well, I don't want to be the only one asking questions, but I definitely do want to take advantage of this time <laughs> while you do have me open. <laughs> uh, but I will ask, even as uh, from what I've heard uh, from uh, the metal netter or about the metal netter, is it true that the metal netter can be read from left to right, right to left, up to down, and down to up? Okay. I say that's true, but within the context, okay? Um, What we're talking about here is there's a methodology that is set in place to determine in which direction the the literature is to be read, okay? So, you know, this is based upon um, how it's written, you know, because if it's written from top to, you know, from, uh, from the top down, okay? It's hardly ever, I've never seen it written from the bottom up, okay? So, you know... You know, that, that can be dismissed. But from the top down, you know, you'll be able to tell, right? But even from the top down, you have to still determine whether it's read from left to right or from right to left. And that's determined from, uh, that's determined by, uh, you know, finding out which direction the, the um, you know, the images are facing. You know, the letters or the, the, the uh, phonograms, pardon me, are facing. Okay. Which way is the writing facing, and that'll let you know, um, you know, what direction you're supposed to be reading from. Okay, so um, that's that's within the context, and it's not um, how do you say like trans, you know, let's say like for instance, you know, you got a paragraph, right, and in this paragraph you can read, um, you know. Either in a straight line like you're reading a sentence or you can read the first letter of each word in in the in all the sentences that make up the paragraph as a sentence. Nah, that's not the way it works. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So it's it's limited, it's it's actual structured writing, just like we have, you know, 
like if you're writing English or whatnot, you know, it's not encoded like okay, you can you 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 can read diagonal, you can read you know, from the bottom up, you can read the first letter or, or each letter of each word in each sentence as a sentence down in rows. It's, it doesn't work like that. Okay, and 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 the reason why I ask that question because I'm pretty sure everybody on the line, um, well, most of us have been trained inside Western thinking or inside Western methodology. And right, so Western methodology supports uh, the Western manipulation system, right? Two. Okay, you, I mean, you have to explain what you mean more about a Western manipulation system. Okay, we're just saying the whole... the. the the Western manipulation system, the fact that it, they, the Europeans or Wazungus have created a system that is working for them, but basically strips us away or kind of takes us out. That's the current paradigm we are in over here in America. And I'm pretty sure Africa, Africans can say that globally, right? Two. I mean, you know, let's say Africans can say it. Well, they say it, that's a different story. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and, 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 and even as that relates to the way that we've been trained to read, or more or less has been always left to right, does that have anything to do with our still supporting the manipulative system as we're talking about so many brothers and sisters still uphold the same stuff that robs and strips us? Is that, might that by chance be, um, you know, part of that uh, 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 equation? Um even even with us being trained by by those guys, I mean, you know, put it, put it like this, right? You know, we learn how to write uh, from write and read from left to right, okay? Uh-huh. Because the language that we speak, right? It's it's written, right, and read from left to right, uh-huh. right? If we would have learned Arabic, it would have been a different story, right? Because Arabic uh-huh. is read from right to left. It's read and written uh-huh. from right to left, okay? Um, in Madunatair. You know, words are written from left to right, read from left to right, and also uh, right to left. You understand? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a matter of the language that you're learning and you're speaking. It's not like okay, a, a conscious manipulation. Like I'm going to you know, get these Negroes reading and writing from left to right, right to 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 stop them from thinking on a higher level. No, you know, I mean, you know, they they. You know, this is the this is what they do. This is how they do it. So that's how we learned it, right? But um, you know, you can read Madunite and you know learn how to read from uh the top down, learn how to read from you know from left to right or from right to left. You know, so it's a it's a matter of the system that you're learning. Okay, each culture has their system. Okay, and and and, and I guess the, another reason why I ask that question because out of everybody in America, like everybody. Pretty much right-handed. I don't, I'm not going to say in the world, but everybody I pretty much grew up with is right-handed. I mean, my, my even, daughter's left-handed. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, that's what it sounds. And and um, I have a daughter that is left-handed as well, but okay. that is that is that is very rare. So even when I, I want to think about cultures that kind of teach children to be ambidextrous, and the reason why I'm bringing up these questions as it relates to right and left brain thinking. You understand, and how that relates to how we see or perceive the worldview. Okay. Two. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. You know, 
the 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 reason for it and you know there has been studies that have been done to you know correlate um you know what hand a person reads or or what hand a person writes with you know um whether something is written in red from left to right and right to left with you know brain function and you know hemispheric you know activity etc so on here's hemispheric mm-hmm. predominance right you know I, I understand all of that but you know the point here is it's not a it's not necessarily something that is an intentional thing that has been done as far as okay you know we can argue right it can be argued that the reason why the um you know the wazi starts from right to left okay um or from left to right you know reads from left to right and and uh writes from left to right and you know this this has you know this is because he's predominant uh his Thinking is predominantly done from this particular hemisphere of the brain. You know, all, those arguments have been made. Also, counter arguments have been made. Okay, um, but right in understanding this, okay, cultures that teach children that are left-handed to be ambidextrous, a lot of times they have a you know you know other reasons, cultural reasons, you know, etiquette reasons for doing so. You know, for instance, like, you know, you don't shake somebody's hand with the with your left hand in certain places, certain parts of the world because the left hand is associated with, you know, with, you know, wiping your behind after you defecate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? So, you know, but in cultures where that's not necessarily the case, then, you know, it's, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be worried about offending anyone by doing that, by shaking their hand with the left hand or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, there's, there's, there's other reasons that could, behind why, could be behind why children are raised ambidextrous instead of just, you know, left-handed. Or, you know, they're taught how to uh, do everything with their right hand because of those reasons. Deal, deal. Okay. okay. Just want to ask those questions, trying to get into the madness of our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers on why we keep on hating on um, our grandma. Because you got to realize that it's a problem, <laughs> some type of problem. So, Two. you, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a funny thing because there's there was there was a guy I can't remember his name at the moment, but it was Wazungu. He made the argument that you know the whole reason uh, or the the whole problem of the world. Um, Basically, it's based upon the way that we read and write, right? And if we read and write like the comedic people, then we wouldn't have none of the issues that we're dealing with. That's a tall thing for him to prove, right? So, you know, we don't really waste too much time with it. When he's able to show and prove it or, you know, some some actual science and you know, systematic reasoning or methodology has been laid out that um, that can substantiate those things, right? Then we'll be able to deal with it. Few, few, and and that's why I'm somebody. I guess even to even read and write and understand metal better, it would definitely take a higher thinking brain. From what I'm seeing, I would assume I would definitely uh, want to bank my money on it. It would well, be have to be a lot higher than the, than you know just the BET and the you know the things that it would not. You know, it well, definitely you know, would. Be. It would take time. Right, it would take time and dedication. Um, you know, you can you can learn the language just like you can learn Chinese or Spanish or, or whatever the case may be. It you know now whether the Medunitaire has a a different effect on one's brain, okay, and one's thinking based upon the way that it's it's organized, written, read, etc. So on. Yeah, I think so. Right, I, I do. I think so. But right, we'd have to. 
do the necessary um you know the necessary work and research to demonstrate so deal deal i know you all about facts so i know we're not jumping to no full speculation so salute salute you all right brother excellent Dwao. Dwao, hotel had the pool all right going back up here yes sir brother sam neil you're on the air had the pool hey brother Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it and uh, uh, what you got going on here. And, you know, what I don't hear a lot of on these um, sessions that people have is, you know, just saying thanks, putting the word out there, putting the knowledge out there for everybody. It's, it's definitely uh, uh, required and necessary in this day and age. And I appreciate the questions the brother just had, too. Um too. And uh, just to kind of add, uh, there was a question earlier, you know, why we need to reconnect with this. And really, all we have to do is look at uh, where we are today in, in this uh, island we call America. Um, I just posted on uh, Facebook a little bit earlier. I said, uh, we're a great, great resource of uh, wealth of a people living on an island of poverty. Hmm. And uh, we we definitely got to have this knowledge in order to reconnect back to uh, where that wealth really came from and where we came from. So uh, I definitely appreciate everything that you teaching, brother. Looking forward to the tour this summer. I'm working on my funds, uh, hey. trying to get that together. Uh, but yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Give thanks, man. Appreciate you and hey. We're going to see you for sure on that tour, no doubt. <laughs> Definitely, bro. We're working on it. We're working on it. Too. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Heads up. All right. Check it in, big brother Aubrey. What's going on? Hey, what's, what's going on, uh, family? I'm just listening in. Um, I just wanted to follow up with what the brother just said you know we all we all appreciate everything all the time you guys give you and your and your family um i guess my question is and i don't even really know how to uh pose it but um in in regards to speaking to these other brothers and sisters that follow these traditional uh religions you know the people that are hating on Kemet um whether it be uh, Nation of Islam, Black Hebrew Israelite, um, uh, you know some of the the Black Christian churches or whoever. Uh, when they're when some of the one of the angles they come at comedic uh, spirituality with is that it hasn't been structured into what it's a. a, a a black liberation theology. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the Nation of Islam says, you know, we're the original man, which, of course, Kemetic will say the same thing. Um, but it's, it's those other ideologies are structured to where they're a black liberation theology, if you know what I mean. You, do, you understand do, do. what I'm saying? I didn't really know how to how to pose the question. It, it, comedic spirituality hasn't 
necessarily been structured yet because we haven't had a, a, a hold of it long enough. Um, and I'm sure if if we had if we had had comedic spirituality when we first got here to America, we would have already structured it into a black liberation theology, uh, aka or you know Nation of Islam or Hebrew Israelite or. But we haven't had enough time to to deal with it to to make it like that. If you know what I'm saying, what what do you say to the people that say, well, this comedic spirituality doesn't doesn't teach us this in this way to move black people forward? What do you? How do you deal with that? All right, I say that that's a hell of a question, bro. <laughs> right, but it's an excellent question. And you know what? To I'm, I'm gonna I'm beginning with the nutshell. Enter it, Hininsu. Okay, you know, um, mm-hmm. to right. to address that issue, repatination is the situation. That's you know, right. um, when you look at Hinesu, you're looking at a comedic community, um, and you look at repatination, you are looking at the political ideology and agenda of Hinesu. Right, so mm-hmm. repatination is the movement. Hinesu is the family. Right, so you know, and everything that we're talking about. Um, can be drawn back to Kemet. Now, the issue that a lot of people have made the mistake of, you know, of making is when dealing with Kemet, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, you know, in a few, but when dealing with Kemetic spirituality, they always try to leave it back there, back in, right. you know, back in, you know, BCE, etc. and so on. Um, you know, but, you know, we're going to demonstrate how, you know, Kemet survived all the way up into the Western Hemisphere, and, you know, because of the conditions of, you know, that African people, um, you know, were brought into the Western Hemisphere, came up in the Western Hemisphere, we're going to demonstrate how that played a role in the resurgence of comedic spirituality in the Western Hemisphere, you know? They say, as it was in the beginning, so it shall be in the end, ended, right? That's what they say. So we're going to, we're going to demonstrate that, but... When we look at when we look at the problem, right? That problem, that question that people ask, or the statement that they make, um, you know, you look at the nation of Islam, you look at the Hebrew Israelites. They are they are modern organizations that have come up as a reaction to our condition in this society, our oppression in this society, right? And they utilize ancient, um, not even ancient. You can't. Let me take that back. They utilize traditions from the Bible, from the Quran, um, to you know legitimize or inspire, right? To legitimize um, our people as a nation, to unify our people as a nation, number one, and to inspire our people by thinking that um, these teachings came down um, from the Creator to us. Because the Creator cares about our oppression and brought them, you know, and and you know, gave us these teachings as an answer to it, right? But in the same way, these these traditions also teach, right, that you know, it is the Creator that brought these teachings because they care about our condition, right? That is ultimately going to come and put an end to our oppression, you know. As militant as the nation of Islam and 
the Hebrew Israelites talk, right? You never hear them, um, you know, speak about actually going to war or, or revolution or anything like that, right? You never hear them talk about that. Each one of them are waiting on the return of the Messiah or the Mahdi or the mother plane or what have they waiting on something or someone else to come back and to deal with our situation. That's right. Did I lie? That's right. I mean, it, it, that's that. You know, as hard as them brothers look out there on that corner, you know, with the Hebrew Israelite doctrine, they still waiting on Jesus, just like T.D. Jakes. Yo, just like T.D. Snakes. You know, and that's it. You know, just to touch on another point you made earlier. Um, you know, a lot of times when we have our you know comedic defenders that are out here in the spotlight. You never hear them say the things that you said, like uh, metal netter is a pan-African language. Dude. Um The civilizations in Kemet were pan-African civilizations. You never hear them touch on those points to bring it back home to a, a, a liberation theology. Dude. You know, Dude. you never you never hear them bring it back to. Uh, uh, like you, you spoke on earlier when you were saying Herodotus spoke on how the the uh, comedic people did not accept uh, the Greeks. They didn't want to eat out of their bowls, and that same thing went for any Asiatics, right, or, or any other people outside of Africa, right. Which is a, which is another uh, rule that we need to take, which is stop accepting every damn body. <laughs> right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, for we don't from the time the foreigners came into Kemet and and other later African civilizations, Songhai, you know, on the west West Africa, whenever the foreigners came in, that's when we had the problems. Joe, that is another black liberation tool. <laughs> You know, you got to separate yourself from Yo. these people, and 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 that's another that's another thing that kills me. And I and I'll just say this, and I'll get off. But about the <laughs> Hebrew Israelites is, uh, you know, all this acceptance of Mexicans and Native Americans and speak on it, and 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 but they don't want to talk. They don't want to deal with Africans. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane, man. Uh, right. Same thing in the NOI though. The NOI got Mexicans, they got you know, they got um Japanese and Chinese and all kinds. It's unbelievable. And whites. You know, I, it's it's crazy, you know. Um I don't even I, I mean <laughs> man, I don't even know what to say. It, it's to me it seems so clear, you know. It seems so clear. Um but they just insist, you know, all of these organizations, you know, that that come from the angle of black liberation, um, it mixed into their ideology. They accept everybody, you know, but none of them want to deal with the Africans. The church, in a sense, but all they'll do, they'll go over to Africa and just, you know, on missionary style. Yeah, yeah. You know, and build some churches up and then have the Africans go into church. Right. Um, Nation Islam. I know they've had some dealings with going to Africa and doing some things and some relationships over there. But in the same breath, 
you know, they'll teach that black people's hair used to be uh, straight like their eyebrows. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, you got you to say, you got to tell, and, and how did we get the kink? What happened? I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I've never been real deep into the NOI. I don't know, was it a curse? It probably was a curse. Yes, sir. Or, 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 or we, we were in, we got put into the jungle um, and started living, uh, I guess, savagely, and 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 that's when our hair kinked up or something. Yeah, it, it was it was you know it was that we rebelled, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the story goes that the scientists called Shabazz, right, mm-hmm. um, wanted to make a tough man close to nature, and you know mm-hmm. the the scientists in Mecca. Said you ain't you can't make him here, so he took him into the jungle, you know, and, and that's where he made it, and that's what that's how we got the kink. But you know, I will say this: the teaching that it was it was a disfigurement or curse, or that we you know, or that we had straight hair, whatever the case may be, that is something that I, I would say I've only heard it from Minister Farrakhan. I have not heard that or read it in any of uh, you guys Muhammad's books. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah, because. Yeah, we we know Elijah and Farrakhan are two different beasts. You yeah, know? <laughs> Elijah, you know you you you, you can kind of and you know when I get to talking to someone that is from the NOI or someone you know Hebrew Israelite because we all brothers you know regardless of the ideology you know the ideology will make you say to hell with them but right. we, you know <laughs> we know that we dealing with some people that are sick you know it's just like. When you're dealing with your aunt, she might be on drugs. You know, you you love her to death, but you know, she on drugs. I can't, you know, I got to keep her at a certain distance. And that's the way you got to kind of treat them. But um, what what I was going to say is uh, we know that these elders, whether it be Elijah Muhammad, whether it be uh, Messiah Ford or, or some of the Hebrew Israelite elders from the early, what is it, 1900. Um, Noble Drew Ali from the mm-hmm. Lord Science Temple. We know that their ideology and the way people practicing it now is off the mark totally. Mm. But we know that at the time they was doing the best they could. You right. Know? But we're in the information age now. Right. So it's time to, you know, take what was good from those things and move forward. You know, too, too, too. All I say, all the way, bro. It's it's on point, and and you know what? It's it's so on point because you know when we when we look at uh, these movies, we can't even call them. Um, they might have started off as you know black liberation movements, but now they're simply black protest organizations. Yeah. Okay. That's all they do. You know, they, they talk militant, they talk hard, they yell, whoop, 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 et cetera, so on. Um, but that's about it, right? They protest, okay? And, you know, they might want to dog or down talk the folk that's out in the street protesting, but at least the folk in the street ain't scared of, scared of some action, okay? <laughs> at least they, they get in the streets and they, they, uh, they recognize that there's a chance that they might see some action. They're not inside the building simply protesting and putting down other Africans, okay? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a big difference there. They, you, we can't even really call them. They don't even have a black liberation theology anymore. They got a black protest church. 
You know, it's a church of the black protests, right? That's what yeah. that's what they are. But um, you know, you asked a very important question, man. Your, your question was so important, right? When we look at Kemet, we see the basis of any type of black power, black liberation, any of that, right? We want to call it theology. We can, right? But the foundation of it all, when we look at Kemet, hell, there's research out now that is demonstrating that the very word Kemet itself means nation or country, okay? And, you know, when we look at the, the society itself, you know, it's, it's demonstrating that, um, you know, number one, it's called the Nile Valley Civilization, right? The, the you know, the, the centerpiece or the crux of the whole society was an economy based upon the produce um, that is, you know, the produce that is uh, taken from the land in regards or in, um, in proximity to the flooding of the Nile, if that makes sense. Right, try to try to put that in a way that that you know it came out right, but um, you know it's all centered around agriculture, land. As a matter of fact, the very term for Neter or the term Neter is depicted with a flag, right? A flag or a standard. Okay, so like land, land is the foundation. Of um, you know, comedic, uh, the comedic nation in politics is the is the foundation of the comedic economy. They didn't have money like that. Um, you know, money was was the uh, the produce, the goods, right? This is this is what um, you know they you know what they exchanged, and now they had a gold standard at a certain point in time where they measured certain foods and whatnot. Um, certain products in in gold, uh, you know, in in its weight in gold, right? But gold never exchanged hands, right? They never exchanged gold or currency like that. They, you know, it was a food or resource-based economy. And, you know, the foundation of it all was land. That's why, um, you know, they, you know, they um, were very, very strict about keeping foreigners out. They weren't about... Okay, like you can come in and buy land here, or you can come from here. You know, you can come from Syria, or you can come from uh, Arabia and purchase land in Kemet. No, they didn't do that, right? The the land in Kemet was for the Kemetic people. But first things first, it begins with land. I have not seen anyone, um, you know, I have not seen any one of those schools that are seriously, uh, you know, talking about they want to be a nation. I have not seen them go and purchase a substantial amount of land and, and move all of their people on that land and begin their nation. Haven't done it. Haven't seen them even do, you know, go and purchase land um, on the continent or anywhere else and move all of their people onto that land and start an intentional community. I haven't done it. No, I haven't seen it. Okay, I haven't seen them move all their people onto a land and grow their own food and build their own homes and their temples and whatnot on that land. You know what I mean? And and set up security for themselves on that land for their people. Haven't seen them do it. Okay, haven't seen them do it. But land is the foundation of all economics, right? And that's a fundamental law that they you know they once understood but have taken for granted, even in their understanding initially, 
you got to think about the strategy as far as them trying to do it here. Okay, in the case of the Nation of Islam or whatnot. But, um, you know, when we look at, for instance, and, you know, when talking about a comedic tradition or comedic community that, that is black nationalist and, you know, teaches black liberation, right? We say Hininsu and repatriation is the situation. We want to go and purchase land in Africa. We recognize that our greatest ability to be liberated and to and to um you know to deal with our enemies is to align ourselves with uh, the Africans abroad, right? It's right. going to be through Pan African unity, and you know we recognize that. If we want to come up economically to even be able to deal with them, let alone to survive in a in a sustainable way, in a self-sustainable way. We cannot be liberated if we're not self-sustainable, and we can't be self-sustainable as long as we don't have any land to call our own. So we're talking about purchasing land and repatriating back to the continent. That's right. That's it. That's it. That's it, right? And, you know, the spiritual tradition... You know, it, it teaches us or it assists us in organizing ourselves, organizing the society, organizing our minds for us to even know how to think to be able to do the things that we're talking about doing. You know what I mean? They don't even, I say, put it like this, and this is a good example. The entire comedic tradition is integrated in the land. You know, the temples are integrated uh, in the land. The land, each land has an terror and a tradition um, the tradition and the and the cities are integrated into the actual spiritual text, right? It's all land oriented. Same thing with the Yoruba tradition. Um, same thing with the Akan tradition. All of these things, it's it's in there, right? Now, when we look at the Israelite tradition, they don't have any land. Hell, in their book, they don't have any land. That's the whole problem. They're, they're running around. That's the whole problem. They're going into this one's land, going into that one's land, you know, committing genocide on these folks to steal their land, you know. They're, and they're, they're a stateless people throughout the whole tradition. That's why their name is, you know, Hebrew, which is supposed to mean he who crosses over. They're right. always crossing into somebody's damn borders. That's right. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I'm saying? That's the whole problem. And... Being that that's the freaking book that they they base their whole life on, that's why you don't see none of these Negroes talking about getting no land and repatriating or doing nothing of the such. They waiting right. on Jesus for that's their pie in the sky. That's it. I mean, you hear, that book is about a people that don't have a land. Can't, it can't be an African book. It can't be an African book when you got all of Africa to have land on. You got these people running around the Middle East through the desert, starving, looking for right. land. And that, you know, that's probably something the people that are later would be later called the Hebrews. That's probably part of the inspiration in them making their doctrine. Just like you said in, in Kemet, you have the deities over specific lands, and land was so important. Their little. Uh, Time in Kemet, wherever you want to place them at, as a Hiskos, Haberu, however you want to, a Canaanite, however you want to place them in the Kemet at the time, they 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 got their understanding of how important land was, so they put it into their mythology, which is right. the Bible. Right, right. You know what I mean? It still ain't got no damn land. 
Matter of fact, <laughs> you know, you know, and when I say when I say they still ain't got no land, you know, I'm talking about the 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 African. The, well, you know, I I don't want to start a fight, so I won't call them African. You know, they might get mad with me if I call them African, right? Wait, wait, you, but you know, the 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 Hebrews that you know the Hebrews that are over there living on top of that power plant in Demona, that <laughs> the, the white Jews you know allowed the black people to come over there. They say, all right, y'all can come on over here. But y'all got to join our army to help us fight. And y'all got to live on top of this power plant. But y'all, come on. Right. Um, I don't think that those black people over there have a problem with be called, being called African. Because, in huh. fact, the guy that just died, Ben, what's his name? Ben, uh, ben, ben Amin or something. He, uh, okay. Yeah, he, I didn't know he died. Yeah, I think he just passed, like, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um. Huh. Uh, when he first took all these brothers from here over to to uh, Israel and they gave him a visa, you know, they're supposed to be on their promised land, but they gave those brothers and sisters over there in Demona a visa for a couple of years, wouldn't even really let them stay. They were like visitors, tourists. Sure. Finally, they let them stay in Demona next to the power plant. And... Uh, but prior to going to Demona, <laughs> I think they went to uh, Africa. Mm. So I don't know that I don't know that those guys would be bothered with call that being called African. But these ones over here, we know they don't want nothing to do with being African. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's 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 interesting, man. I, I definitely have to look look into that. I, I'm, matter of fact, it's not for me with some kind of project like project uh project um. Man, I can't remember it. I can't remember it. But um, it's where they, they airlifted, you know, some Africans from from Africa and brought them into Israel. Yeah, from uh, Ethiopia, I think it was. Right, 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 right. Yeah, They're yeah, still yeah, trying yeah, to get them black that. folks out of there. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's funny. It's funny because they, you know, you hear them once a day. They, they make the arguments about, we got community set up. But, yo, the folk, the folk treat you like trash there, number one. Yeah. You know, and... You know, I mean, what's the point of going over there to be a Negro over there when you can stay here and be a Negro with the Wazungu over here? You go to the Wazungu over there, you 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 going over there, the Wazungu is still in charge over there, right? What is the point? Yeah. All because yeah. of self-hatred. You don't want to align yourself with the people that are actually yours. Yeah, and then they got to and and then they got to they have to fight with them, you know? They have to, you know, Israel fight. Everybody got a problem with those white <laughs> folks over there. So the yeah. black folks that's over there now have to fight with their army against whoever, you know, whoever decides to want to, you know, shoot a missile over there. Sure. You know, those black folks have to fight. It, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's amazing, man. It's, it's yeah. amazing. I was showing the queen the other night. I said, man, you know, you got these uh, couple of black folks in Demona behind this mythology, this book, this mythological book, the Bible, and they just ran on over there. And you can't, you know, half our brothers and sisters, our family, I know none of us here, all of us here ready to move to Africa tomorrow, but our families, you know, uh, outside of us, you can't, You, I mean, in order to get them to go to Africa, you got to get them a house, you got to get them a bank account. You know, they're not even considering it. But these guys then went over here to Demona behind that book, and uh, 
<laughs> you know, following a bus driver. Ben Amin was a bus driver in Chicago. Yikes. You know, it's... But anyway, that's all, man. I just wanted to put my two cents in. And uh, great job, brother. Great show today. Peace to the family. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Powerful, powerful info, powerful questions. All right. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother, Unc Benu. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio. Man, we're dealing with the subject, yo, Stop Hating No Kim It, Part 2. And we're going to finish it today, man. So, you know, you guys want to hang tough, right? We're going to take it all the way through. Um, you know, we still got to deal with, you know, the 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 arguments, you know, as it pertains to, you know, you know the ATRs, right, mainly. The intellectuals and the ATRs, they like to say, well, you know, Kimmit is dead, right? As we as we said at the top of the show, you know, and I probably repeat what the brother said, you know, earlier on, you know, when I was on the book, I saw some hate, man. You know, you, you can't you can't look around, you can't get away without running into some hate. So, you know, probably repeat what you know what he said. But um, you know, they like to say Kimmit is dead, or you know, if they you know if they don't say that, they like to say, well, you know, you guys are not comedic, right? You're West African, you know, you came from West Africa, right? So we're gonna we're gonna nip all of that in the bud, man. We're gonna nip all of that in the bud, okay? All right. So let's deal with Kimmet as a Pan African, okay? We're gonna deal with Kimmet as a Pan African um, civilization, right? And we're gonna also deal with Kimmet as a Pan African empire. And we're going to deal with Kemet as, you know, and the Pan-African dispersal or diffusion of, of the Kemetic people into the heart of Africa, okay, and the Pan-African revival of, of ancient Kemet. We're going to talk about all of that. Um, you know, you know, real brief, though, something that I did not mention is the fact that most of these people that are arguing against us do not even understand their, their own spiritual traditions. You know, they don't understand, you know, uh, when they're looking at these books, whether it be Bible, Quran, etc., and so on, um, you know, they are looking at it from an uninitiated perspective. And you know, no matter what their preacher or their or their priest or their imam or what have you, or uh, their rabbi might say publicly behind closed doors, they they look at that book and think about it in a totally different way. Okay, um, they understand it in a totally different way. Right? They understand that the book is cosmological. Okay, they understand that the you know the 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 actual meaning of the book is layered in the language, right? They understand these things. Um, they understand that it's a cosmology. They understand that the book is meant to, um, you know, to be understood, you know, as a mental or or spiritual happening, so to speak, not historical fact or reality. Um, you know, I recommended the book before. I'm gonna recommend it again. You can look at the book. Uh, God is a verb, right? You know, if you can, type it in on Scribe, get it for free. Do not buy it, <laughs> right? But, um, you know what I mean? You check that book out, you know, you can see just, you know, it's demonstrated the fact that, you know, these people understand this thing differently. And they, they work with it in the same way that most people, like, for instance, they work with it the same way that we work with, you know, invoking the comedic letter or invoking the, you know, invoking the, um, you know, the Orisha, right? They they look at the prophets and, and you know, whatnot as forces of nature. You understand? 
Like, they do it like that. So this is something that, you know, I say once again, you know, you guys don't even understand your own tradition. You know, you can say that the Wazi, the Wazi Jew does not understand the tradition, but, you know, when you look at yourself in comparison to the Wazi Jew and the place that he's holding in society, you got to wonder, well, hell. You know, if, if, if he got the BS and the BS got him that, then I think, you know, I might have to question the truth or whatever it is that you got. <laughs> right? I mean, it's got to be 100, right? So, um, you know, you know, and that is not a, that is not a fallacy, you know, because, you know, I, I you know, got to be quick because you might say, well, we can say the same thing about Kemet. No, you can't. No, you can't because the majority of people don't have Kemet. Majority of people got the Bible. Majority of black people got the Bible. So we can say that right there, right? But majority of black people do not have the Kemetic tradition, do not practice the Kemetic tradition. Right? We can't say that. Right? So you can't argue that. Okay. Now, we want to deal with the Pan-African origins of ancient Kemet. And I want to start it off by referencing a text that's called the Famine Stella. Okay, the Famine Stella. Um, this story pertains to the seven-year flood, or the seven-year famine, pardon me, that took place, you know, supposedly in the Third Dynasty um, during the reign of the Nisupiti Neterket, right, Interket, or who was also called Joser, right, Joser, King Joser, Okay. And his vizier, or his tati, right, was Ya'imhotep, okay, Imhotep, okay. And, um, you know, when we read this, we read about the condition that Kemet is in, right, after going through seven years of famine, right? The people are impoverished, the land is impoverished, the shrines are unkept, right? People are sickly, and the, you know the elders, the elderly are sick. People are dying; like things are in a bad way. And um, you know, the story goes, you know, you know, Joseph, he, he, you know, his heart, he says, turn towards the past. Okay, his heart turned towards the past, and he needed to know about his ancestors. Okay, and he needed to know about their origin. So he asked Yahimhotep. It said that he sought he sought counsel with one from the staff of the Ibis, right? The Ibis being Tahuti, right? One from the staff of the Ibis, right? The priesthood of Tahuti. Okay? Yahimhotep. And Yahimhotep, okay, um, he asked, where is the birthplace of the Hopi? Right, the birthplace of the Nile. Right, where does the Nile River begin? Okay. Who is the Niteru that lived there? Okay. This is important. This is, this is very important. Because, you know, in the next couple of lines, he says that he made his way the same way through which the ancestors made. What is that talking about? Okay. When you hear Dr. Ben talk about the comedic people say that they came from the you know you know the valley of the mountain of the moon where the god happy right happy right the Nile river dwelled this is what he's talking about the famine 
the famine text, the famine stella. Okay? So, Zozer is talking about that place. So, in the story, Zozer, he goes, and he, you know, after Imhotep, after your Imhotep comes back with the information, he tells him the location of the birthplace of the Nile River. And he tells him the Neturu that lived there. And the offerings that he needs to bring. Okay, when he gets there. Right? And when he gets there, he finds that the temple is in shambles. Right? Kunum was the Neturu that lived there. And all of the shrines, and the Neturu had shrines in Kunum's temple were unkept. So, Zozer made offerings and sacrifices to, uh, to Kunum and to the Neturu. And as a result of that, Kunum, you know, agreed that he would, um, you know, he would, you know, take care of Kemet. He would revive Kemet. The nation would drive, thrive and become prosperous again. The people would embrace him again, you know, and the, the days of famine all, you know, will cease to be. Okay, that's the, that's the essence of the story, right? The crux of the story. Um, but the, the critical key that we want to bear in mind here is that you know, Joseph says that he turns his heart towards the past. He wanted to seek out the way of his ancestors, you understand? And that was the birthplace of the Nile. When we look at a world map and we trace the, birthpla- the birthplace of the Nile River, okay, we are taken into the great, what's called the Great Lakes region, deep into Central Africa. Okay, the Great Lakes region is Central Africa. You know, if you're if you're on a computer, you might want to, uh, you know, you might want to, you know, type it in Google Images so that you can see it for yourself. Okay, but when we look at it, we see that the Nile River goes deep into the south, right? From from Kemet, deep into the south, right? Deep. Past the Sudan, okay, past Ethiopia, right, okay, down into what's called Lake Victoria, okay, Lake Victoria, in which the surrounding countries are Kenya, Tanzania, okay, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> right? When we look at the origins of the Nile, okay, we look at the origins of the Nile, right? The countries that surround it are Tanzania, Kenya, the Congo, Uganda, okay, Rwanda, right? We're talking about Central Africa here. Okay? Central Africa here. Keep that in mind. Right? Keep that in mind. Okay? Keep that in mind. Lake Victoria is drained into the Nile River. I'm going to say that one more time. Lake Victoria is drained into the Nile River. The Nile floods because of the raining season down in Central Africa. 
in mind. So, in this particular instance, when Joseph, his heart turns towards the past, right? Meaning, he, he begins to think about the past. And he's contemplating the, the way of his ancestors. And he inquires about the origins of the Nile River, the birthplace of the Nile River. He's turning his mind towards Lake Victoria, the Great Lakes region. What's called, you know, you know, uh, and the, you know, the areas around there today: Uganda, Kenya, the Congo, Rwanda, Tanzania. This is what he's talking about. Okay. This is what we're talking about here. That's a very important text. That's a very important text because it speaks to the origins of the Kemetic people, according to themselves. All right, coming from deep Central Africa, okay, which just happens to also be where the oldest human remains have been found, okay. And then when we read um, certain Greek writers, and they talk about the Kemetic people being the oldest people, the ancient people. Why do they say that? That might be the reason why they say that. Okay? This is what we're talking about here, family. So this text is very important also because of the period that it's speaking to. Right? The, you know, the story is about King Joser, right? Neterket, right? Interket, right? King Joser um, and Yahimhotep, right? His Fati or Vizier, Yahimhotep. And, you know, this being the case, we're talking about the third dynasty, old kingdom, right? So this is, this is, you know, a text that is referring to the third dynasty having the Nisubiti in the, in the great Imhotep, okay, Re, you know, in referencing or looking for their origin, the origin of their ancestors, they looked down into Central Africa. Right? Not the twi- This is not the 25th dynasty we're talking about. This is not the 12th dynasty we're talking about. We're talking about the third dynasty. Right? The third dynasty here. Okay? And, you know, we can go further because no scholar, no scholar that's going to be honest today is going to deny that pre-dynastic and old kingdom Kemet was a, you know, was an African civilization. Those founders of, of Kemet were Africans. Right? Once again, we got the video documentation of, you know, from, from when we were in Kemet, from the brother breaking down for us the, the, the origins um, in Kemet of the Nisubiti Nomer, who was the first Nisu of Kemet. Right? The first dynasty having its origins in the south, in Aswan, in Nubia. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Right? So we're talking about a pan-African origin here. Right? When we look at this story, right? And looking at them coming from, right? The birthplace of humanity, 
Okay? The birthplace of humanity. Right? They're coming from the region that is home to the oldest languages known to man. Okay? That's what we're talking about here, family. So Kemet, right? We're talking about the Pan-African origins of ancient Kemet. Okay? Pan-African origins of ancient Kemet. Now, with this, right? With this, when we look at it, okay? And, you know, there's, there's books. There's books that we can, we can recommend you guys check out. You know, um, of course, you know, with our people... They always want to, uh, you know, they always want to, you know, they don't want to hear it unless Awazi says it. So, you know, just for instance, like, you know, the sister and, you know, no disrespect that I, you know, conversed with the other day, you know, she, she, she said that none of the historians believe that. What historians are you talking about? You're talking about the white historians. You're talking about Arab historians, right? And, you know, none, you know, none of the Egyptians, I asked one. Right? You ask one Egyptian, but you're gonna say none of the Egyptians. Right? That's a that's that's a problem right there. Okay, that's a problem. But for some of our people, you know, they don't want to hear it unless it's coming from someone else. Okay, that's the way we've been trained and conditioned. Right? But that's no longer an excuse. Because even the Wazungu today is bearing witness to the African origins of ancient Kemet. Right? There was a Wazungu, right? a, a Caucasian by the name of Robert Bouvot. Okay? Robert Bouvot, who wrote two books. One called The Black Genesis. Right? Black Genesis. Okay? And the other is called Imhotep, the African Architect of the Cosmos. Okay? Both of those books, I think, are available on Scribe. Right? But, you know, in those books, he gives it up. Right? He gives it up. He's a man that was born in Egypt, okay? And, you know, he was uh, born of a family of immigrants into Egypt, okay? And, you know, he was raised in Egypt, right? And he became an independent Egyptologist, etc., and so on. But, you know, in his studies, in his research, his field research, he has, you know, basically come to the conclusion that our ancestor Sek and Diop laid down a long time ago, okay, that Theophago Binga has been building on a long time ago, right, that those people that founded that civilization were Africans. The originators of that civilization were Africans, okay? That's two books that you can check out. But then, right, there are also, um, you know, other texts, other books that we can, you know, we can check out. Um, definitely, you know, of course, the work from our ancestor, right? First and foremost, the uh, great Sheikh Enter Diop, right? You can check, uh, check out his African Origins of Civilization, Myth or Reality, right? You can, talk, you can check out African Philosophy by Theophilo Benga, okay? You can check out, um, you know, Cultural Unity of Black Africa, by checking into Diop, all right, you know what I mean, and then, right, there's, there's scholarship that has been done, 
um, you know, you know, the scholarship that have been done by scholars, both domestic and abroad, um, universities that are now attesting to. You know, the the University of Barcelona, for example, their entire um, school of Egyptology, right? Barcelona, right? We're talking about Spain, right? Their entire school of Egyptology is predicated upon the thesis that the Kemetic civilization was an African civilization. And to gain understanding of the origins of Kemet and understanding of the culture of the Kemetic people, they're studying Sub-Saharan Africa. Holler at me, right? Send me an email if you want more sources in that regard. <laughs> okay? But we also have something else here, right? In answering that sister, right, in answering that sister, um, I told her to look at um, this image from the tomb of Ramesu III. But I also noted that, you know, that, Ramesu III's DNA right, has been tested and it is traced back to Central Africa the very place that we cited in the Famine Stella as the birthplace of the Nile specifically Uganda right and it's a it's a haplo you know it's a it's a DNA um, haplo group a Y DNA haplo group that is said also not only sub-Saharan Africans and in that Africans in that region, but also um, in African, you know, so-called African Americans. Okay, so that right there totally um, obliterates, right? It totally obliterates the idea that we have no connection to these people, right? Even even um, Zahi Hawass had a hand in testing this particular this particular you know um, you know uh, the remains of Ramesu III in this particular case, and he been hating long time. <laughs> hate till you can't hate no more. Okay, right. But this is Dynasty Twenty Ramesu III, and his DNA is shown and proved sub-Saharan African origins. Right? Sub-Saharan African origins. But it's also common knowledge in, in, you know, amongst Egyptologists that even as early as Dynasty 12, there were Nubians on the throne. Okay? And we just laid down Dynasty 3. Okay? Third Dynasty. Attesting Central African origins in the Famine Stella. Okay, so when we look at that, we are looking at a Pan-African origin to ancient Kemet. How do we know it's Pan-African? Okay, now we have to look at the the, uh, the language, right? We got to look at the language, okay? When we look at the language of Kemet today, right, we see... That it shares, or let's say it's in the family of several, if not all, modern African languages. Right? That was the theory of, of the ancestor second to Diop. His theory was that all African languages are kin. Okay? 
there was a cultural kinship, and you know that cultural kinship was also in the language. Okay, and um, you know he uh, redefined and reclassified the African languages and the you know, and the you know the Kemetic language into a language family called Negro Egyptian. Okay, Negro Egyptian, instead of what had been called. Um, Hamio-Semitic or, pro, or, or Afro-Asiatic, right? Throughout the Afro-Asiatic, and we took Negro-Egyptian or Black Egyptian, okay? And all African languages are said to come from Negro-Egyptian or be related to Negro-Egyptian, okay? Now, he demonstrated this theory, right, or, you know, he, he attested it, right, he tested this theory, okay, by, you know, lining up many common terms in, you know, uh, you know, in, you know, certain African languages, you know, specifically his native language of Wolof, okay, with, you know, common terms in Madunitaire. Okay, so you know, and what's meant by common terms? So, for instance, the the word for house, the word for father, the word for mother, the word for sun, the word for moon, the word for road, the word for good, the word for bad, the word for water, the word for drink. Okay, right? These things that are common, right, were tested, and to see if, in fact. There was a shared vocabulary between the Madunitaire language and modern African languages. Okay? We're going to go through some of the examples that the ancestor came across. Right? Okay. Now, for instance, for instance, in dealing with the Wolof. Alright? In dealing with the Wolof. I'm going to start off with the Wolof. One second. Got my documentation here. Okay? Now, we're going to begin with the terms in Madunitaire. Okay? And then we're going to deal with the term in Wolof. But we're not going to just stop at Wolof. We're going to also look at the Yoruba. Right? And we're going to mention some other languages that today, like the majority of their language is comprised of Medunitaire. Okay? So, just a few, right? Looking at Wolof. The term for... Um, the term Seh. Right, Sek in Madunitaire, meaning to go, is Se, right, vocalized Se in Wolof, right, which also means to go. Okay? Right, so we have Se, Se, right, like, you know, we would say F E or F A K H, right, Se, okay, like almost say like fake, right, but Se. Right, and Se, S-E-H, right, which is common, that's a common, um, you know, you know, um, I, I don't know the technical 
uh, linguistic term for it, but you know it's a common, um, you know, change that takes place in the vocalization, right? Um, you know that that kh into h, right? So feh in Madunatel becomes feh in Wolof, meaning to go. We have yeba, yeba in Madunatel meaning dance, and yoba in Wolof meaning dance. Yeba meaning dance in Madunatel and yoba in Wolof meaning dance. Okay, we have what in Madunatel meaning route or way or road, right? And we also have what in Wolof meaning trail. Okay, we have Kim in Madunatel meaning black, right? Meaning to char. We also have Kim in Wolof meaning black to char charcoal. Okay, we have Deseret in Kemet meaning red or blood. And we have Deret in Wolof meaning blood or red. Okay, we have Wasser in Medunitaire meaning strong, powerful, or rich. We have Wasser in Wolof meaning countless or bountiful, pretty. Okay, we have Moot, right? Moot or Amaut in Medunitaire meaning mother, and we have Moose in Wolof meaning birth. And that, that connection there should be clear. Okay, now that's just Medunitaire and Wolof. Right? That's just Medunitaire and Wolof. But where, where, where do they speak Wolof? Where do they speak Wolof? Wolof, right, is a language of Senegal, okay, Gambia, right, and even Martinia, okay? All right. Senegal. Where's Senegal? West Africa. West Africa. What language family is Wolof, you know, normally classified into? Niger Congo. Oh. And Niger Congo is considered what? Sub Saharan African. Oh my. <laughs> okay. So that's the Wolof and, and you know, we just connected connected it with a West African language. A sub Saharan African language. All right. Now, we want to take it further. Okay? And you know, a good a good uh text. Right, a good text is called um your course the initiation in la langue Egyptian Pharaonic by Yoporeka Somme. Okay? And you know, um this is you know an article and I have it. If you email me, I will um, send it to you, right? I'll send you the actual PDF for you to, you know, examine for yourself. You know, I just gave a few um, in in Wolof, okay? Okay, but there are also examples in, you know, Dagara, okay? Dagara, right, which is a language of Ghana and Burkina Faso. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, want to double check that real quick. Don't want to, you know, give off no incorrect information. Okay, 
The Gara, yes, that's you know Ghana and you know Ghana and Burkina Faso, West Africa. Okay. Pugar. Right? Pugar. Another language. Vanda. Mendink. Okay. <laughs> okay. But also Yoruba, right? And we're going to give some examples from Yoruba, right? Um, this particular, this particular, these examples are taken from the, uh, you know, the work phonetic, you know, ancient Egyptian and modern Yoruba phonetic regularity. This is by the, the elder Theophilo Binga. Okay. Some examples. Okay. You have more, right? More or mu, right? Me, right? In Medunitaire, meaning water. You have omi in Yoruba, meaning water. Ma'a, right? We have ma'a, meaning, uh, you know, ma'a or mora, meaning to see or to look. You have mo in Yoruba, meaning aware. Okay? You have om, right? Om. Right, um, okay, meaning uh, to know or to understand in Medunitaire, you have mo in Yoruba, meaning to know, to understand, right? So um in Medunitaire becomes mo in Yoruba, which is simply metathesis. The, the, the phonemes were, you know, flipped around or, you know, they were, they were yeah, they were reversed. Right, so instead of the M at, be at the beginning in Yoruba, it's at the end in Medunitaire. Okay? You have the term mo, right? Mo, meaning to take in Medunitaire. You have mu, meaning to take in Yoruba. Okay? You have yini, right? Yini, right? Meaning to bring or to fetch. Right, in Medunitaire, you have Hina, Ona, right? Ona in Yoruba, meaning access. Okay, you have Yunu, meaning pillar, or Yun, right? Meaning pillar in Medunitaire. You have Oron, meaning pillar, or column in Yoruba. Okay? And, you know, we could go on all day with this once again. Um... You know, if you want the text, right, you want my sources, send me an email, and I'll actually send them to you, okay? I will do that. No problem, right? But these are West African languages, right? We also have uh, the Kalinjin language of the, the, or the, the language of the Kalinjin people in Kenya related. We have the um, Shiluba Bantu language, right? In both of these languages, over 80% of their terms are also found in Medunitaire. Okay? And we haven't even taken into consideration the Chadic and Cushitic languages. Okay? But we demonstrated that the Medunitaire shares, um, or the Medunitaire language is related to and shares vocabulary with West African languages. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. Okay. 
taking it a step further. We dealt with the linguistics. Now, let's talk about the oral traditions. Okay? This is for the people that like to say, you know, Kemet is dead. Okay? We're not Kemetic, etc. so on. So, we should actually just adopt and practice modern African traditions. Right? You know, don't practice, you know, the Kemetic tradition. Practice, you know, Ifa or, or you know, practice the Akan or... You know, the Dogon or something like that, you know. Um, because in actuality, you're West African anyway. You're not comedic. Let's deal with it. Little is it known, or, you know, at least to these people that are making these claims, okay. Little is it known that the traditions that they practice, whether it be Yoruba, or Khan, Voodoo, and I mean West African Voodoo, okay? But I'm talking about Dahomey or Benin Voodoo, okay? The Congo, you know, Congolese tradition, okay? The Dogon tradition, the Zulu tradition, okay? Regardless of the tradition that you want to pick. Right, the West African tradition, Southern African tradition you want to practice, Central African tradition you want to practice. They have not obviously done, they obviously have not done the research because the people that are there today, the actual people, the Yoruba people, the Akan people, the Ashanti people, okay? The Dogon people, right? The Zulu people, right? The Congolese. All of them trace their lineage back to Kemet. All of them trace their lineage back to Kemet in their oral traditions. Okay? I'm going to read some. You know, and, you know, I'm going to start off with the Yoruba. Okay? Because, you know, it hurts. Right? It hurts. I'm going to talk about it, right? You know, some of the hate that we're talking about here. You know, some of you might have seen the, the Hotep nigger meme, right? The Hotep nigger meme. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> you know, on a different post, they want to call people that are into Kemet, okay? They want to call them Hotep niggers, Okay? You got, you know, the meme with the brother and the afro, and he said, he says, Hotep sister, or Hotep sister queen, I cook or I prepare a mean kale salad, can you give me some, you know, you know what, right? Basically, you know, basically saying that folk that are in the Kemet, you know, pretty much are knowledge pimps, okay, knowledge pimps, or folk that are in the Kemet, all we do is wear unks. All we do is say hotep. And we're really just into Kemet because of the materialism or because the white man is in the Kemet. Okay? This is what they say. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's usually practitioners of the ATRs that are saying these things, man. You know, I, I hate to say it. Right? It's usually practitioners of the ATRs that are saying these things. And, you know, it's like, yo... You know, out of, out of anyone that's hating, you shouldn't be hating. You should recognize fam. 
You know what I mean? You should recognize fam when you see fam. Okay? And if, you know, if it's a, if it's a point, once again, of a misrepresentation, you have not encountered fam or, you know, folk that are not as familiar with the comedic tradition as they should be, okay, we want to take the... We want to take the moment to apologize for those people, and we also want to ask you to to cease and desist of you know from using those people as a representation of what Kimmet is to be, and to cease and desist with the the insults and the the putting down of Kimmet or you know trying to um, attack Kimmet based upon those people. Okay. Let's talk about it. Now, little is it known that the, you know, the Yoruba people also actually trace their lineage back to Kemet. In fact, it is, it is held in their old tradition that the founder of the Yoruba, right, was called the Oduduwa. Okay, the Oduduwa came from Kemet. Was a comedic person. Okay? Let's look at it. Let us look at it, right? We want I'm gonna read something. Okay. Gonna read something. And you know, this is a footnote from a you know from an article that is called um did the ancient Egyptians migrate to ancient Nigeria? Right? Now, the person here is conducting research. He's trying to reconcile the evidence, you know, his research with, with what the Yoruba people actually claim in their old, tra- old tradition. Right? But it is, it is laid down here um, and held just from, from the research. You, we are able to ascertain that it is a common belief amongst the Yoruba people that their origin is in ancient Kemet. Okay? Right? In this in this particular article, the author of the article is John M. Agai, by the way. John M. Agai. And this is, did the ancient Egyptians migrate to ancient Nigeria? Right? Look at this. We have interdisciplinary and or interdisciplinary implications. Okay? There exists, or there is an existing ideology amongst the Yorubas and other writers of Yoruba history that the original ancestors of the Yorubas originated in ancient Egypt. Hence, there was a migration between Egypt and Yoruba land. Okay? Alright? This researcher contends that even if there was a migration between Egypt and Nigeria, such migration did not take place during the pre-dynastic and dynastic period, as speculated by some scholars. The subject is open for further research. So here, the, you know, his, his whole point of doing this is to try to determine the level of, of relationship between the Yoruba people and, and the ancient Kemetic people, Right? His point is, even if they did originate in Kemet, it was late, right? It was later. It wasn't during the dynastic or pre-dynastic period, which is important, right? Which is important. That's why we. That's why the term is used. They, they originated in Kemet, okay? They originated in Kemet. And when you when you read or you listen to all of these oral traditions that we're going to talk about 
um, amongst these several different African groups, they all have seven several reasons for why they all have several reasons for why they left Kemet, but the reasons are the same. Or let's say they have a few reasons, right? Mainly two reasons on why they left Kemet, and those reasons are identical everywhere that you look. Okay, everywhere that you look, the reasons are identical. We're going to talk about it. But I also want to read a footnote from this article. Okay? I want to read a footnote from this article. This is footnote um, 14 in the same article. Okay? And it reads, um, Oduduwa legend teaches that the original ancestor of the Yoruba people, Oduduwa, originates in the east or in quote-unquote Mecca. And we're going to deal with that. Oduduwa was exiled from Mecca because he refused to accept the state religion, which was Islam. Oduduwa left Mecca and arrived at Ile Ife in Yoruba land, where he met the Agbo Neregun, okay, or Setiru, the founder of the Ifa cult. Johnson argues that Mecca, or the East, according to the understanding of past historians, did not mean Mecca in Saudi Arabia, but Egypt in Northeast Africa. Right? And he, he cites his source there. Folo Runso, like Johnson, is also of the opinion that Mecca or East symbolizes Egypt and not Mecca in Saudi Arabia. Where he cites his source there. Johnson and Folo Runso are uh, Christocentric in their approach to the writing of Yoruba history, and this is so because they believe that Oduduwa was a Coptic Christian whose knowledge of Christianity was diluted with idolatry. Both authors maintain that Oduduwa was not a Muslim, as it has been speculated by Mohammed Belo, the former Sultan of Sokoto. Okay? Um, these, you know, this this understanding, right, this idea of the Yoruba people having an origin in ancient Kemet is something that is, you know, that is easily attested, you know, in the Yoruba, in Yoruba land amongst the Yoruba people from their oral traditions, from, you know, they say themselves that they come from Kemet. This is what they say, right? And, you know, um, there is something, okay, and we, I'm going to talk about a source, um, in which, you know, even the modern kings in Yoruba land, right, and chiefs in Yoruba land say that they come from Kemet. All right? You guys get a chance. Look up. I want you to look up Yoruba, the Egyptian connection. Okay, Yoruba, the Egyptian connection. Right? Then there's also, did the ancient Egyptians migrate to ancient Nigeria? That was the article that I quoted. Okay? Another book, right, that um, you guys can check out is called Exiled Egyptians, the Heart of Africa by Mustafa Gadala. Okay? Exiled Egyptians, the Heart of Africa by Mustafa Gadala. Right? He has some stuff in there about the Yoruba and some of the other, um, you know, other people that were mentioned. But... Just to note, Oduduwa is seen as the founder of both the Yoruba and the Bene, or the people of Benin, Dahomey. Okay, so we're talking about the Yoruba tradition of Ifa and the, the Dahomeyan tradition of Voodoo. 
Okay? They say they come from Kemet. Right? The Kalenjin people, right, say that they were the warrior class of the people in Kemet. Okay? And once again, over 80% of their language is Medunitaire. They have the same culture as the people in Kemet. Right? We look at the, um, you know, and I'm going to read something because this is deep. You know, some people might say, okay, when we look at East Africa, that makes sense. But it has nothing to do with West Africa or South Africa. No, this is a pan-African dispersion, you know, pan-African dispersal into, um, you know, into, you know, deep sub-Saharan Africa from Kemet. Right? And, you know, what, in, in actuality, what we have here is these people, you know, they left in the same way that they came. Right? In my, um, you know, in my uh, interview in the in Totoa British Virgin Islands, I mentioned that, you know, Kemet was a pan-African society, right? And when we look at the pyramid, what we see is an example of how uh, the Kemetic civilization was built, how it came to be. You had Africans from the various angles of the continent came together and converged at a common apex in the locale we know as Kemet. When Kemet was conquered, or quote-unquote fell, they fell down into those varying angles of that pyramid into the different angles or corner directions of the continent of Africa. Okay? The linguistics shows and proves that as we've demonstrated that, you know, we find we find languages in West Africa languages, in East Africa languages, in Central Africa that share vocabulary, right, that are akin to Medunitaire. Okay? But what about South Africa? Right? Let's look at the people that are called the Nguni people. Okay? The Nguni people. The Nguni people, okay, are the Zulu, the Swazi, the Kosa, the Thimbu, the Futi, the Pando, and the Mfingu, okay, etc. Right? This is a, you know, you know, the Nguni people, right, are considered a Bantu people. And they came into southern Africa by way of what's called the Bantu migration. All right? Now, this particular, you know, I'm about to read, what I'm about to read, this comes from um, alfred.med.yale.yale, pardon me, .edu. Right? Alfred is the Alclick Frequency Database. Okay, it's a resource for gene frequency um, data on human populations supported by the U.S. National Science Foundation. Okay? And this is taken from Yale, Yale.edu, right? So this is Yale University here. Okay? And, um, right, they're talking about the, the Nguni Linguistic Group. It's a subfamily of the Bantu language family. The Nguni can be partitioned into northern and southern groups. The Kosa, 
The Pando, the Thimbu of the Eastern Cape, are the major tribes of the South Nguni, while the Zugu, the Swazi, speaking of the Zugu, shout out to our brother Rob Mary, right, in South Africa, from Swaziland, right, our Zugu brother, okay, um, the Zugu, the Swazi of Swaziland, are the Northern Nguni, okay, or Andy R.A. of the, uh, they are the Northern Nguni, pardon me. The ancient history of the Nguni people is wrapped up in their oral tradition. According to legend, they were a people who migrated from Egypt to the Great Lakes region. There we go again, that Great Lakes region of sub-equatorial Central East Africa. As a pastoral people, their wealth was measured in the number of cattle they owned. Right? About 3,000 people... Okay, about, or pardon me, about 3,000 years ago, the Nguni began moving southeast towards the Indian Ocean. Okay? I think we'll, I think we'll stop there, but we got the important point here, right? And that was the ancient history of the Nguni people, which included all of those Africans, the Zulu, the Swazi, right? The Kosa, etc. Okay? The ancient history is wrapped up in their old tradition. According to their legend, their old, tra- their old tradition, they were a people who migrated from Egypt to the Great Lakes region. Okay? All right. So, that's South Africa. That's Central Africa. We dealt with the Kalenjin. That's East Africa. Right? All we all know about Swaziland, or, or pardon me, uh, Somalia... Right, which is called Punt today, and how they claim ancestral relationship to the Kemetic people. Right, and it can be demonstrated also that the Somali language is related to Madunatair. Okay, but what about the Akan people? Right, the Akan people. There is a book, a series of books. That you guys need to check out. Okay? There's a series of books. And, you know, also there's some scholarship. Okay? There's some scholarship that is also being done by, um, you know, one of the scholars and professors at the University of Barcelona that is, you know, um, looking into the relationship between the divine kingship in modern Africa. Okay? And ancient Kemet, right? Basically, we're looking at the the divine kingship in ancient Kemet as uh, having its archetype, um, or being a prototype rather of the divine kingship in modern um, African traditions, okay, or modern African nations, modern African peoples, okay, um. I want to, you know, definitely recommend this book, right? This is this author. She wrote four books on the Akan people, right? But before we get into all that, the point here is when we look at the system of government amongst, um, you know, in ancient Kemet, right? The divine kingship. What do we mean by divine kingship? Okay, by divine kingship, we're talking about a system in which the Nisubiti, or the king, 
is seen as the personification or the representative of the divine Neter on earth, right? In the case of the comedic tradition, you know, the Nisubati was seen as the personification or the incarnation of Ra or Heru, okay? Especially Heru, right? Um, but we have also, you know, who are Sol and Neteru, by the way, Heru and, and Ra, both Sol and Neteru, okay? But we also have... Okay, we also have the same thing in Africa today. Okay, we have the same thing in Africa today um, amongst the Akan and the Ashanti. Okay, now there's a book, right? There's a book, and the author, her name is Eva Mayoritz, or Mayorowitz, Mayorowitz. Right, Eva Mayorowitz, okay, and she wrote a series of four books, okay, one of which is called, one of which is called The um, Divine Kingship in Ghana and Ancient Egypt, okay, Divine Kingship in Ghana and Ancient Egypt. Okay, she also wrote the Akan Traditions of Origin, right? But the point here is, the Akan people, okay, not only do they claim origin in ancient Kemet, but their very system of government and divine kingship, the fact that they are matrilineal, okay, the fact that they are matrilineal, uh, system meaning that the inheritance of the throne is through the maternal line. This can, you know, this has only been in Kemet, right? And the replica of the Kemetic system is only found in Africa. Okay, that's the point here, and it's still in practice amongst the Khan today. The fact that the divine kingship, the Nisubiti or the king, is also the chief priest, okay, is practiced in various parts of Africa today, including the Yoruba, including the Akan, including the Ashanti, including, um, you know, the, um, you know, the Dogon with the Hungun, and we haven't even gotten to the Dogon, right? Man, it's a lot. Man, you know what, family? <laughs> okay, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. I know it's a lot. But remember that name, right? Um, Eva, Eva Mayorowitz. And once again, hit me up if you want my sources, okay? But, um, you know, to not take this, right, to not take the knife and, and just, just keep on. To not go into overkill here, right? Because we can go into overkill. I want to go to the point here, right? When we look at the, you know, we dealt with the language, right? We dealt with. The oral traditions, right? The Dogon people, for instance, they also have it in their oral tradition, or their oral tradition that they came from Kemet. When we look at, um, for instance, the chief god Ama, right, and we compare it to the Neter Amun, okay, we can see the relationship there. We we look at the right the um the tribe called the Bene, right, the or the Benu, right, the Benu people, or the Benu clan of the Dogon, 
right? Your brother's name is Binu. And when we see what they say Binu means, right? Binu literally means left and returned. Okay, what was the Bennu in the comedic tradition? The Bennu was a bird, which was the prototype of the phoenix that consumed itself in flames and then rose and came back from its ashes. Right? It was said to have migrated east, consumed itself in, in flames, right? And then rose from the ashes and returned to Kemet. It left and returned. The Bennu is a symbol of Ra's constant rising and setting. Right? It's a symbol of death and rebirth, coming and going. Right? Resurrection. Okay? So we have Bennu. Right? And then we read about what the Bennu people, um, you know, their deities. Okay? Right? You begin to see there's a relationship here to Osir. Okay? And there's, you know, it's about a Niter that was dismembered. All right? A, a normal, right, that was sacrificed, dismembered, resurrected. Okay? And each one of the clans come from his ancestral line. Right? We can go all day with that, man. Right? Good book to check, that, check out on the Dogon and all of that is The Pale Fox. Right, another one is Conversations with Ogo Tumele, but then there's also books by, you know, a white author named um, Lair Scranton who writes all about the relationship between the Dogon and the ancient Egyptians. Okay? Um, all right. So, right, there's, there's the fact that the Akan people in Ghana, the Ashanti people in Ghana, they trace their lineage in their old tradition to Kemet. All of these people, the Akan, the Zulu, the Yoruba, um, you know, you know, what have you, they all say that they left Kemet and traveled south, right, into Africa because of um, des desertification, meaning like, you know, the lands up north becoming, um, you know, becoming desert, right, desert land, and war warfare, right, they left because of war. Those are the two main reasons, and each of them have the same story. Right, wherever they found water, that's where they settled. Okay? You know, I can show you a video of a queen mother in Ghana saying the exact same thing today. All right? Now, right, Dogon, Yoruba, right, Central Africa, South Africa, East Africa, West Africa, all tracing their lineage back to Kemet. Right? We look at the, the tradition. Remember the criterions that we laid down for an ATR. Right? All of the all of the tenets of the comedic spiritual tradition are present only in the ATRs of Africa. Okay? Especially West Africa. Right? We look at the, the spiritual tradition and organization and even cosmology of the Yoruba, right? Nowhere is it, is it more evident that there's a connection and correlation um, between the Kemetic people and the Yoruba people than in the spiritual tradition, right? Not only that, there are Netaru that are in the Kemetic tradition that survive today in the Yoruba tradition, such as Eshu. Eshu, in the Yoruba tradition, 
is issue or shoe in the comedic tradition. Issue in the Yoruba tradition is the mediator between heaven and earth. Right? In the Yoruba tradition. Issue in the comedic tradition is the mediator who differentiates Newt and Gab or heaven and earth. And he's also considered to be the messenger of Ra. Eshu, who is in the Yoruba tradition, is also the opener of the way. It is Eshu who opens heavens, opens the heavens as one and as pardon me, and as one of the Akaru, okay? Right? As one as the Akaru, he is also the gatekeeper to the spirit realm or the duat, just as Eshu in the Yoruba tradition. Okay? Where Eshu in the Yoruba tradition is a trickster, we have Eshu becoming Sutesh. Right? Sutesh, that's metathesis there. Sutesh in the comedic tradition as the trickster. Right? We can go further. We can go further, right? But as mentioned, we have the Netaru. Right? We have Neter or Nebeter, right? In the comedic tradition, we got Olodumare. Okay? In the Yoruba tradition, right? Which is the supreme, right? The all. We have the Netaru in the comedic tradition. We got, um, you know, the Orisha in the Yoruba tradition. Right? We got the Abosom in the Akan tradition. Right? We got the Nomo in the Dogon tradition. All right? Right, we can go on. Okay? We have ancestral veneration. We have divination in both, as mentioned before, right? But, you know, also, when we look at, for instance, Orun Mila, who brought Ifa to the Yoruba people. Okay? Right? Orun Mila, the... the 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 god of you know the god of wisdom, right? In the in the Yoruba tradition, we have Tehuti. In the Kemetic tradition, who brought Meduniter to the people? In Kemet, who is also the Niter of wisdom. All right, so on and so forth. Maybe we'll come back later on and deal with the comparative. Uh, traditions and the cosmologies to further solidify the point, but you know, after all of this, I want to wrap it up by saying this: when we look at all of these various types of these various different African groups that we've mentioned, okay, these nations, these African people that we've mentioned in West Africa, in South Africa, in Central Africa, in East Africa, right? We look at this, and then we look at um, how all of these people have common you know, common um, origins according to themselves in ancient Kemet. Then we look at where the Kemetic people say they came from, their origin, right? Going back to the famine stellar. They came from the same place. When we look at the Bantu migration, the same route that the Bantu say that they came from in their migration from Kemet is the same place that the Kemetic people say they came from on the way to Kemet. All right? Now, we got all of these different African groups now making up the Kemetic civilization. 
And as they leave, they become back, you know, different or varying African groups. You had the same thing historically in Kemet. When Kemet was unified, you had one nation, 42 states. When Kemet was disunified, they, they broke off into uh, 42 separate, separate um, tribes or states with their own kings and their own cosmologies and, and the nature of their state, their spiritual tradition to themselves. Right? That's, the, that's what separates a dynastic period from an intermediate period in the comedic, um, in comedic history and comedic chronology. Right? So you had the same thing historically. When Kemet was disunified, they broke off into various groups doing their own thing. And that's what happened when Kemet fell. Okay? When Kemet fell or when Kemet migrated, right? And, we haven't even dealt with the migration of Kemet, how after the 25th dynasty, when Kemet, um, you know, the Nubian, um, you know, seat of power moved from, you know, from, um, you know, Menefer to uh, Meruwe, and how it continued in, um, you know, it continued in, you know, Nubia. The Kemetic tradition continued in Nubia for almost... 800, 900 years after Kemet uh, was conquered by the Greeks and Romans. Okay? And the Persians. Right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and then from, okay, from Nubia, okay, after the fall of Nubia, you know, by the hands of, of the Aksumite Empire, which was a Christian, Christian empire from Ethiopia, right? These Africans traveled deeper into the south, into the west. That's the, that's the, the lineage right there. Okay? That's the lineage right there. Okay? And all of these different Africans, after this dispersal, are now gathered up and rounded up for what's called the transatlantic slave trade. Right? So all these different Africans that were once together in Kemet are now brought back together by the Wazungu in the transatlantic slave trade and mixed together. Mixed together. Right? And then we get in Haiti, Haitian voodoo. Haitian voodoo. Right? Which is, you know, uh, all... Right? When you look, when you read about it, right? There's a book called The Secrets of Voodoo by Milo Regard. Check it out. Right? When you read about Haitian voodoo, you find that all of the various Africans have their way of practicing voodoo in the in the um in Haiti, right? Which are based upon their national origin in the continent of Africa, but when you look at the system it's identical. Okay, and even in that book that I mentioned, they talk about the origins in Kemet. Okay, now my point here is nowhere else in the world, when we look at what brought us Africans here in the West, what brought us here, the nature of our condition, how we were mixed together and brought together from different parts of the continent. Okay, and we we have inter you know, we have interacted and come together again. Now that DNA has been brought together again, and you see now the resurgence, 
of the comedic tradition in the West like you see nowhere else in the world. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA. Right? You see a pan-African resurgence of the comedic tradition in the West because of because this is a pan-African pe- we're a pan-African people. Point blank. Right? Just to put it just to put it clearly, like when African people in the West that when we want to identify with Africa, we do so with Africa as a whole. We don't you know, we don't have one particular spot in Africa that we can champion. We herald Africa collectively, pan African. It's in us. Okay? It's in us. Right? That's why. That's why you see Kemet being heralded here. Right? It's that ancient memory. That Pan-African comedic origin has returned. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're bringing back. All right, family. (laughs) Those of you that are just tuning in. Man, it's your brother, Uncle New. Listening to Cool Kim Radio. Now, we had a long one today, but I wanted to finish it up today as much as possible. I want to appreciate you guys for sticking with us. We're going to open up the lines for the family to chime in. If you have something that you'd like to say or add before we get up out of here, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you, right? But it should be clear. It should be clear that the hate is unwarranted. You're hating on your grandmama. And we have every right by birth. Right? To practice this tradition. Right? Not even a question. Okay? We're going to open up the lines. Feel free to add on. And if you do have something that you'd like to say or add, but you don't necessarily want to call in, feel free to leave that comment or question in the talks with our chat room. We'll get to it ASAP. All right. Okay, we're going to start off with... Simpson what? Hetapu, Simpson what? Hetapu. All right. What's going this on? Is a, <laughs> all is well. I can cool. Um, this is this is very very informative. Inf- oh my goodness. <laughs> I done wrote so much stuff down. I got a lot of stuff. I gotta you know look up and um. Man, wow, ooh, beautiful show. All right, to you, Duane the Ted. Hey, thanks for hanging the whole time. Still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the building. I can't, I, I be stuck. I can't go nowhere. All right, to you, to you. <laughs> to you. Hatch up. Do it, hatch up. All right. Hatch up, you on the air. Equanif. Oh, man. Hotel. Yo, <laughs> that's a bull. You killing him, man. <laughs> you 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 killed him, uh, hey. Uncle. You you you, you, you did the thing, brother. <laughs> hey, you did the thing, man. That's why I gotta salute you, brother. You go in hours. You understand? You 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 can do it. You know you can you can do it. You, that's a heavyweight. These other these other cats, they just featherweight. You know they can do, they can do somewhat of the job, 
even like with that debate thing, man, like, man, brother, you show and prove, bro. You go and definitely show your high knowledge and um definitely um you know the road that you're definitely cut out for, bro. Um so I salute you. I I'm I'm like Sam to watch. I got a lot of stuff to write down and definitely go check out. And um definitely I'm I'm here. I'm I'm wanting to hear some more, but uh definitely we gotta get out of here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we wrapping up. <laughs> okay, okay. But I wanted to ask you, uh, is there about any documentation of any civilization, high civilization, whether it be before Kemet at all? Um, no. I say, you know, there there is no evidence of a of a high civilization. Um and when we say high, we gotta we gotta, you know, classify what it is we mean by high, right? There's evidence of civilizations before Kemet. Okay. But um, you know, for instance, you know, I think I, I saw something where there was a seventy thousand something dating back seventy thousand years, for instance, um, you know, that was found in the Sudan, in Nubia. Okay? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, and some people like to argue for you know, Sumer, right? Sumeria or whatever, but you know, there's even research that is, you know, that is being done now that, you know, for instance, there's things being found in in, you know, the quote unquote Sumerian region that, you know, they are unable to understand or read in the Sumerian language, but they can read it in Maduna Terre. So there's even scholarship now that is that is, you know, basically indicating that it's it's likely that, you know, the Kemetic people even had a role in the origins of the the origins of the Sumerian civilization. Okay? So, you know, that's um that's you know, but even even with that, if we're gonna talk about someone that's contemporary with Kemet, it would be Sumer, but we don't have enough evidence to demonstrate that Sumer was on the high level of civilization that you knew that Kemet was. Okay. Okay. That, so, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Even with their structures and their, you know, the architecture or anything like that, that's still standing. That uh, you know, we can go visit and and actually still show and prove. Two, two. Now you you don't have it. Okay. You. Well, hit him out the park, brother. Raul. All right. Raul, brother, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Hotel. Oh, all right. Head to pool. Okay. Let's see. The brother Sam Neal, you say you good. Head to pool. Okay. Looks like, look like he's good. Head to pool. Aubrey, what's the word? Hey brother, man, uh great show, man. Um you brought it home on that on on that Pan African part, man. Um <laughs> you know, just just explaining, you know, that that's a question that's always asked, you know, and I'm sure everyone on here can attest to that when you get to talking about um African traditional spiritualities or just African, you know, your bloodline, you know, the question has always been for Africans in America and some, you know, in the islands and everywhere at the diaspora outside of Africa is always, well, where are you from? Or, you know, you talk to some people, they say, well, what tribe are you? Right. You know, and I always say, you know, we're, we're descendants from West Africa, Um you know, about 16 different countries, modern-day countries, of course, you know, they weren't all separated like they are now, but I just go modern-day just to, you know. Uh, right. 16 West African countries, 
and 50-plus different tribes. So, I mean, we, we are, we're a mixture of everything. Of course, you can find some people uh, that luckily, you know, on one side, mother or father's side, that may be 80, 90 percent, say, uh, you know, might be from Cameroon. They, tra- they right. trace their lineage back to Cameroon or whatever. Like uh, your boy, I think it was uh, Chris Tucker was one of those guys that did, had his lineage traced, and he was like a high percentage of one particular tribe in Cameroon. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you, when you're looking at all of us collectively, we're a mixture of 16 different West African countries and 50 plus tribes. I mean, so we, we are the epitome of Pan-Africanism, you know, um, we can't, you know, you talk to these Hebrews and I hate to even bring them up because, (laughs) um, you talk to these Hebrews and they'll be like, well, what tribe are you? You know, we're from the 12 tribe, we're from Judah, we're from this, that, and the third. Man, we are a mixture of all these different tribes and all these different peoples. And then when we got to the plantations here in America, they wouldn't put people of the same tribe together because they didn't want them to be able to communicate. So we didn't have, then we mixed again. Exactly. And as been going on, we continue to mix. So we're we're all of that. So like when when you when you bring it back full circle back to Kemet, back to the highest civilization, one of the highest civilizations in Africa that was a pan African nation, it makes sense that we would come back around to a pan African spirituality. Mm. You know There you go. Uh yeah, man, you brought it home. And and my my next, you know, I I've been researching on this Hebrew and all this stuff and I told myself man, I'm giving myself a week or two grace period after this debate to get all the rest of my arguing out in concerns with Hebrew and I'm going into migrations from East Africa, from the Nile, the languages. And uh so I'm gonna be reaching out to you, brother. You ran off of, uh went through a couple of books there at the end that I'm gonna have to reach out to you on brother to get some of that info. You already know. <laughs> I already know. And that's all, man. I just want to say uh, great show, man. Great listening to all the family. Ask all the questions just to hear everybody's voices. And uh, peace and black pan-African power. All right. Peace and black pan-African power, Brother Hitchup. All right, all right. Hey, you want to thank the family that's in the building, man. Brother Sam Neal. Right, Simsu Watt, um, you know, the brother Equinif, right, all the family that, that tuned in, right, want to wanna thank you, definitely, 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 want you to know your, man, your time and attention for this long time has been appreciated. Um, yo, you got a glimpse, right, you know, wasn't even able to, to cover it all, that was an attempt to try to squeeze all of this information that, you know, was researched into one show, right, because I didn't want to, you know, drag it out over... You know, several shows, but um, you know, like I said, it might be a book <laughs> as it's all said and done. But um, you know, you got a glimpse of you know the type of information and the context that we're going to be dealing with ancient Kemet in when we go on this tour in September, right? You know, it's it's exploring the Kemetic tradition in its African context. We're going to show you, right? When we go through the, the spiritual traditions and the festivals and all of that, we're going to show you. 
how this is you. We're going to show you how, you know, the, you know, our last point of departure in West Africa, how these traditions are still practiced today as they were in Kim. We're going to show you. I'm going to demonstrate it, man. And, you know, you want to understand the comedic tradition like you never understood it before. I guarantee you that. And you're also going to know why. As we talked about today, we demonstrated why Kemet calls to you. Why is it that Kemet calls to you? Why is it that, that you know, you resonate with Kemet, right? We're going to show you that. Right? We talked about it today. We're going to show you when we get there, right? So, yo, Cool Kim Kemet Tour... 2015, that's going to be September, you know, from September the 3rd to um, the 14th, right? September the 3rd through the 14th, we're going to be taking a group of no more than 50. No more than 50 to Kemet, okay, on this tour, right? We got packages that include everything, okay? The, the flight from New York, domestic flights while in Kemet. Right, gonna be flying from Cairo to to Luxor and then from Maswan to Cairo. Um, all of the food and the housing and the entrances and the lectures and all of that stuff, all included in the package. Um, you know, visit our website for more information. That's www.heninsu.com. Right? www.heninsu.com. H-E-N-E-N-S-U. Heninsu. Right? Dot com. And, uh, you know, for more details, the itinerary, we also are on Facebook. You check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hanitsu. And, um, you know, you also send me an email, right, at, uh, you know, send an email to me at A-N-U-K-A-U-S-A-R-1-0 at gmail.com. Or just get at me on Facebook, Unkpenu, A-A-N-K-H-B-E-N-U. Type it in, send me a friend request, send me a message, you know. For information on the on the things that you heard today on today's show, resources, citations, um, information on the tour, and you know, or information on needing to repat nation, you know, hit hit me up. Um, definitely, 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 right. But you do not want to miss this tour if you are able to go. As a matter of fact, if you were intending to go to Kemet, and you know, you know, I'm gonna tell you like this. If you were intending to go to Kemet, you want to go with Hinesu, right? You want to go with us because, you know, you know, if you're if you're looking to deal with Kemet on the level that we've been dealing with it today and throughout, you know, throughout the whole time that we've been doing Ku Kim, right? That's what you in that's what you're in for. You know, if you if you like, you know, the information today was heavy, that's what you're in for cuz we're going to be dealing with Kemet in this African context. So, you know, get at us for sure for sure, right? Okay, uh, got a question to, from the brother um, Sam Neal. What is the deadline for signing up for the tour to commit? The deadline for signing up, right, where, you know, this is the date when everything has to be paid. That is July the 28th, okay? The 28th of July this year, um, the balance has to be covered, right? Um, you know, we have a suggested payment plan on the site, you know, for, you know, if you want to pay monthly right, recommended payment plan, but you can pay, um, you know, a deposit, if you're going to do it that way, you can pay a deposit as low as 300 to begin, okay, and, you know, you know, whatever you want to pay, um, you know, as long as it's um, done by July 28th, right, so, you know, we wanted to make it easy, uh, easier for the family, but definitely, 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 you want to make sure that you get there. 
All right. The music that you hear at the top of every show, that is our good brother, my dear brother in comrade, Tahir RBG, right? You can catch that music and more at tahir.bandcamp.com. That's T-A-H-I-R.B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P.com. Tahir.bandcamp.com. Check out his whole catalog at that URL, okay? Um, also, right, also, our products are available at hinesu.com in the marketplace, right? Books, clothes, right? Um, you know, et cetera, incense, right? All kinds of stuff. You got to visit our website to, to check us out, see what we got going. Um, you know, design culture clothes, right? Check out designculture.com, D-E-Z-I-G-H-N, culture, K-U-L-C-H-A, okay? Check out designculture.com. Support the family, right? African clothing, right? We got other businesses going, you know, going on. Check out the sister, um, uh, Smyas Ehet, right? Also known as CL Larry. Check out her uh, natural products, um, you know, Poofy Organics by Candice, okay, on Facebook. Also the brother, um, you know, the brother, um, Kepper Rumarawat Imp on Facebook, located in Seychelles. You know, he needs to his international family. We are a pan-African community, right? We're all over the world. South Africa, Swaziland, um, Seychelles, Africa. You know what I mean? East Coast U.S., West Coast U.S., the Caribbean, British Virgin Islands. You know, we mean what we say. So, um, you know... Definitely support the family wherever they are. The brother in, in Seychelles, Kepru Marwati, he has a clinic, Vitality Clinic, you know, the, the first and only naturopathic doctor, uh, naturopathic doctor, pardon me, in Seychelles. Okay, support the brother. If you're in Seychelles and you're listening, or if you want to get a consultation with him, he's able to do um, natural health, holistic health consultations over the Skype or, you know, FaceTime or what have you. All right, so... um. Right, definitely, 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 okay? For more information on Repatination, right? Repatination is a situation. Check us out on Facebook. Repatination, right? R-E-P-A-T-N-A-T-I-O-N. Repatination, right? Repatriation nation. That's what repat means, right? Check us out on Facebook, okay? And, um, you know, look us up. And, um, you know, like the page. Like the Hinesu page on Facebook so you can keep up with us. And, you know, things that we got going on. All right. Okay, family. I want to will you all in out ib, right? Nechem ib. That is a heart that swells with gladness, right? A blissful heart, a pleasant heart, right? For the remainder of your day, I will that your, your day is blissful. And, um, you know, we're going to be back, you know, next week more than likely. Right, stay tuned with more cool Kim. Right, hope you can take this show. But I will that you take this show, the information that was in it, to totally obliterate any any doubt, any arguments, etc. So on, it's over. Okay, it's over. All right. So, till next time, family. Sinebti, be well. Hetapu. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.